The podcast under the stairs, void diary entry number one. Um, where to begin this recording? Um, well, obviously my experiment was a failure. Um, I tried. I tried to to uh, amplify the power of the podcast and the vain attempts of boosting the signal beyond, you know, just the the limited confines of our planet and um, inadvertently created a a power signal which was visible not only in space but um, in a slightly different dimension, Um, a dimension where a parallel universe has run alongside ours, where um, pagans weren't overthrown by Christians, where where the Druids continued their their studies of mathematics and of architecture and design and geometry, and ultimately became the dominant force on the planet. Um, their technology, even though it may be 2014 in their time frame, is vastly superior to the technology that, that exists on, on our planet in the same year. Um, they were monitoring space for, for particular spikes in, in radio broadcast waves and it happened to coincide with uh, with my experiment with the, the device. Um, when they tracked down and locked on to the signal I was producing, they wrenched me from from my cupboard under the stairs uh, into a void-like place where I suppose the best way to describe it is it's like a limbo um, and that's where I'm residing now. Um, they have somehow managed to keep me going with with uh, with my internet connections to my my timeline um, which has been a bonus. It's, it's, mean, it's meant that I've been able to reach out and keep contact with the Baz, um, who has assured me that he will make sure that he uploads um, all the podcasts that I will be sending back to him. Um, they've also allowed me access to Facebook. I don't, I don't understand why why that is. It doesn't exist where they are and they're fascinated by it. Um, they searched the archives of the podcast recordings and have found that we have something that they don't have. Um, they have no understanding really of what horror cinema is. It hasn't existed in their time frame and they have promised me if I fulfill the tasks that they set out over the coming months that they will allow me the ability to return home. So moving into year two of the podcast under the stairs, um, the show will be heavily focused upon reviewing some of the ultimate classics in horror cinema whilst always bringing you um, contemporary horror movies which uh, I've found fascinating or awful. (laughs) They are going to be exclusively listening to all these recordings and as such I have certain contractual obligations I must fulfil in order to meet exactly what they want on their sides, their demands which will allow me to come home. during their their search of my my databases, my internet archives, and my podcast archives, um, they found that I had purchased 
several movies by the director George A. Romero. And using my connection to the internet back on my planet, um, have uh, found a bit more research of uh, Romero to be interesting or intriguing. Um, as their first assignment, and on this podcast, they challenged me to bring forth um, a podcast dedicated to the Dead Trilogy. They allowed me the, the ability through Skype to connect with people that would best put forward the case as to why these movies excel above all others of the of the zombie genre. Um, on this episode, which you will hear coming up after this introduction, you will hear three movie reviews with... Um, it was originally going to be three podcasters, uh, myself. It was going to be Mr. Corey Graham from Evil Episodes, um, uh, the, the Electric Chair, and Devil Horns podcast. Um, Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. Uh, all those are pretty much familiar if they've listened to this show before. Uh, of Johnny Krug, he's been a regular guest and a good friend. The third guest was to be Danny Trioxen. Um, but once they heard the the Midnight Horror Show, they decided that that was a bad idea. So I can only assume that they were responsible for the, the hold-up, which unfortunately didn't allow Danny access to the show. Um, so yeah, this is the first diary entry in year two of the podcast Under the Stairs, coming from the void. I'm your host, Duncan McLeish. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Druid FM on 192 BC. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. I am your host Duncan McLeish and today is a very special episode. This is episode number one of the second year of the podcast Under the Stairs. I know um, the official anniversary was August uh, but you guys wanted to put Baz through some horrible, horrible things you dirty deviant sons of bitches. Look at yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror. You forced Baz to think there was ghosts behind him. How can you sleep at night? I bet you do, like babies, huh? Terrible. Fucking disgust me. And at the same time, let me just say, that was fucking awesome. Um, Baz was properly freaked out in the month of October, so mission accomplished, guys. Pat yourself on the back. Um, he will be back, though. Baz v. Horror. Um, year two is uh, upon us. Baz has got lots of things coming up in the next year as he tackles his entry into Horror High and we're going to be looking at the rest of the Friday the 13th franchise in condensed batches um, because Baz has never seen any of them. I know I keep going on about this but let that sink in, he has seen none. (laughs) Um, Also uh, we have a special plan for the end of January, yeah. Baz is going to be schooled by not only myself but a select three podcast panel as he takes on the Evil Dead franchise. That's right, that son of a bitch dropped down and said that he watched the original Evil Dead and he couldn't understand one why anyone thinks it's a good movie, which is sacrilege. And also, he um, he kind of just called out 
horror fans, and that way that all the bars can, um, basically said, what's the matter with you guys? Why do you hold this film in such high regard? So, with that in mind, uh, it has been my idea to make them sit through all four in the series, that's including the remake. Baz will be tutored by a podcaster beforehand, so each individual podcaster will tutor Baz as to why he should like these movies. Baz is going to go away as a homework assignment, watch all four, and then he will face off against his tutor mentor podcasters and send off, were they right or were they wrong and why? So you've got that to look forward to early 2015. However, on this show, it is my duty to bring um, probably, arguably, one of the greatest trilogies ever made. Um, not only the greatest trilogy ever made, um, it's it's probably the, the greatest example of uh, zombie cinema ever. It is, of course, Romero's original Dead trilogy. That's Night of the Living Dead, it's Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead. Uh, on this show, you will hear... Uh, reviews I recorded uh, with uh, some fellow podcasters out there, um, Mr. Corey Graham from Evil Episodes, from The Electric Chair and also from Devil Horns Podcast. So make sure you check out his shows. I also have Johnny Krug on the show with me as well from Kruger Nation. Um, if you've been listening to his shows, you know who Johnny Krug is. Show the man some love. Uh, we were supposed to have um, Danny Trioxin on the show, unfortunately. Um, I have my theories why it didn't work. Uh, I may record them in the intro, which uh, seems to be the only part of this recording which certain people can't hear. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say any more about that though, so just, just pretend I never mentioned anything. However, uh, <laughs> what we're going to do is uh, a new revamped version of this show moving ahead into the second year. So, unfortunately, that means that I've had to uh, look at the show and very much like a, a coach has to look at his team and assess the strengths and weaknesses. Certain parts of the original format have been cut, so um, the new segment will no longer appear, although we've not been doing it in a wee while, so it's it's no great loss. Instead, I'm going to replace it with the occasional um, kind of what's hot, what's not in the world of horror. Uh, Those segments won't be every single show, and will generally either feature myself on a bit of a rant about why something sucks um, or uh, it might feature a guest, a guest podcaster that might come on just to shoot the shit and talk about horror um, we are replacing the what have you watched, what have you uh, what have you been checking out in the world of horror that that segment um, sometimes runs quite lengthy and uh, I, I mean the, 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 the overlords have saw fit to allow me to continue podcasting but they don't give a flying fuck about what people have been doing in their own time, which which is also a bit of a shame. But um, like I say, the kind of what's hot, what's not thing might you know that might feature something. You, you might find that one of the guests goes on a, a bit of a, a review, something else out with. Um, so we'll wait and see how that pans out. Um, starting on the next show, though, uh, it will be my joy to bring you a brand new segment, which we'll be managing to record with the Baz, which is Baz is an agony ant. That's right, it's Bazzy's Basement, where uh, you bring Baz your problems, any problems you want at all, um, you facilitate them through me, and I will basically give them them at the last minute, uh, and then we will get an honest reaction and answer from the Baz, so uh, expect the gloves to come off and no sugar-coated answers 
from this man. You know how Roy gets on horror films. Imagine how Roy could get on your problems. Um, so the only way to submit these questions is through the Facebook page, um, which is a bit difficult because Baz might see them, so you can private message me. Um, or the easiest way to do it is through the email. So you can drop us an email at podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com. So that's podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com. Um... So, what else do I have to tell you? You have one week left to submit your your answers for the competition, the Arrow competition. The prize is a Region B Blu-ray of The Incredible Melting Man in order to, some, basically, to qualify for acceptance into the competition. All you need to do is suggest a movie which wasn't covered in the first year of Baz V Horror and tell us why we should have covered it um, without obviously spoiling the end or anything. And I will take these answers to the Baz the Baz will pick next week on the show. He will pick what he thinks is the best suggestion. Um, it'll be a movie that we cover and you will win that prize, which I will post out to you. I'll contact you, give me your details, I'll post it out. So, I think I have rambled a lot at the start of this show. Um, there's a lengthy show coming up with the reviews of Night of the Living Dead, of Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. What we'll do first is take a short break. You're going to hear some promos from my fellow podcasters, Beyond the Void, um, shows that you need to check out. And also, you'll hear the trailer for the first movie review that we'll be covering, which is the truly stunning Night of the Living Dead. And we will be right back after this break. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. Please consider us your high priest and priestess of satanic cinema. Join us on our podcast, Kiss the Goat, which will drag your soul through some of the finest and worst devil movies of the last 50 years. Devils and demons, exorcisms and possessions, cults and rituals, dogs and cats living together. Is that a devil movie? Maybe. Sort of. I don't know, babe. We'll talk about it later. Join us on the Horrorphilia Podcast Network every other week as we don our hoods and cloaks and... Kiss, Kiss the, the goat. goat. It's a hell of a good time. I knew you were going to say that. Of course you did. It's in the script. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com Welcome to a night of total terror. Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Of the living dead. 
adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror. Night. Of the living dead. And welcome back. So you have just heard the trailer for 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Like I said earlier on, I have been joined by a couple of special guests to this podcast. Both have been on previous episodes, but if you're going to tackle something as prestigious as the Dead Trilogy by George A. Romero, then you need to pull in some of the best podcasters in the world to tackle this. Because no single one man plus a guest will do. I have called in uh, a crack team of specialists. This is like the A-team of horror podcasting right here. Um, at this time, I am joined by my very good friends, Mr. Corey Graham, and also by the man behind Kruger Nation Podcasts, Mr. Johnny Krug. Right, gentlemen, before we kick into this shit, um, I will also say that at some point, hopefully during this recording, Mr. Danny Trioxen from the Midnight Horror Show will be joining us. He's been slightly delayed, but uh, hopefully should be here for... At least one or two of these reviews. Um, so, before we kick into it, would you like to tell us, Corey, um, where people can check out your shows on the internet? Absolutely. Duncan, thank you so much for those kind words, by the way. Oh, you're most welcome. On, dude. This is great. <laughs> oh, always love chatting with you. So, um, yeah, uh, a couple of podcasts I'm active in right now. Uh, the first one, I'm not so active because it's sort of hit or miss for me, but that is Evil Episodes. Uh, we cover mainly uh, TV horror, television horror, and things like that, and uh, a lot of video games. Do some movies every once in a while, but uh, that is very, very cool. That's with Mike and Brian and Jamie Jenkins, and that's just an awesome crew to to be along with. So that's EvilEpisodes.com, and uh, I also do a metal podcast that uh, right now again is very sporadic just because of my schedule, but uh, that's still going strong. I just uh, did a. Uh, a report about my um, uh, the gig that I saw with Battlecross here, oh, uh, yeah. about a week or so ago, and so I put that up and I uh, got to interview one of the guys, and it was really awesome. So that is uh, devilhorns.org, and I do that with Mike Zombie and New Jersey Nick. So we have fun, but yeah, there's no set schedule for any of those, it's just sort of you know when we can do them and everything. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. I love those shows. I love Dev- Devil Horns. It's like, a, it's like one of those ones that whenever that pops up on my feed, everything else gets shunted to the side. Devil oh, Horns wow. takes pro- Oh, I fucking love that show. Love that show. <laughs> um, Mr. Johnny Krug, um, Kruger Nation, has been on a slight hiatus. You've been relocating to a, a new part of the... Is it the uh, the Lone Star State? Is, isn't that what they call Texas? It is, it is. It's the uh, Redneck State. Yes. The Redneck State. <laughs> um, uh, where can people check out your shows online? Uh, my show is KrugerNation.com on iTunes and everything else. It's Kruger Nation. In fact, um, the show is coming back really soon, probably in the next few days. So I look forward to bringing it back. One thing I do have to ask you, Duncan, as you said, the uh, the Dead Trilogy. Yeah. 
And uh, you said Night of the Living Dead, but the ones I watched were um, Land, Diary, and Survival. <laughs> you're twisting my arm up, but I can sometimes your your sense of humor fucks with me, Johnny. Um... <laughs> I apologize. I thought we were doing the good ones of the series. <laughs> oh, those are the ones yeah. I watched. Huh? All right, I see. I see what's happening here. It's an American coup. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes, yes, we're we're going to tackle. We're going to tackle the, the original Dead trilogy, Johnny, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we, we um, have all recently, I think it was while I was doing my top 10 best and worst horror remakes, uh, we had, Corey was one of the first guests on that show, and um, we were just shooting the shit, just, you know, chatting as we do. It had been a wee while since we had had a chat, and um, during that conversation, I can't even remember how it came up. I, I think... It was because Corey is, of course, for those that don't know, he's basically your go-to guide for anything zombie-related. His, his zombie knowledge is ridiculous. That's um, what I tell people. Yeah, I'm just like, I go into, you know, anyone ask me anything remotely about zombies, I'm going to speak to Corey. Corey will tell you. He's he's, <laughs> oh, he's a guy. He's like he's like the Wikipedia of um, he's the Wikipedia of zombies. Just very much like Johnny is the Wikipedia of slasher movies. Um, I don't have a Wikipedia yet. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, I'll get there eventually. I don't know. Wikipedia of drunk Scots or something. I don't know. We'll eventually catch up. But basically, I think myself and Corey had talked off here. And one of the things that had come up was just like that. You know, there's not many shows tackle the Dead trilogy you know, just in one show. It's one of these things that's spaced out, or some people maybe touch on one or two, but they never, it, it, for some reason, that trilogy doesn't get enough attention focused on it, and I don't know why. I, you know, I, I don't know if it's because we've become so blasé with zombies, because there's so much of it now, whether it's on our televisions, or VOD, the amount of zombie movies that are on VOD is incredible. You know, I, I don't know if it's, you know, we look at them and some of that has been lost, but I think what I'd said to Corey was, you know, we maybe should do a show where we cover the original three. And he was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then two weeks later, as I do, I'm chatting to, to Johnny. We're also talking about remakes. And I think we did Dawn of the Dead on that one, the remake. And I said, like, we're chatting and we're like, yeah, the original's great. Yeah, we'll love that. And I'm like, listen, me and Corey are going to be doing this episode. We're going to be talking about three. You should come on and do that show. And Johnny's like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, cool. And then Danny was chatting to me. He was on, I think, a couple of weeks after that. And I'm like, yeah, we're doing this. And Danny's like, I have never podcasted with Corey. And at the moment, he still hasn't because he's having plumbing emergencies. And I don't mean that in the the way it sounds, which... (laughs) which is quite graphic and rude. I mean, as in there's something wrong with the toilet in his house. Um, and Danny was like, I'd be totally on board with that, so hopefully we'll be here later. But before we start talking about Night of the Living Dead, Corey, why do you think, do you know of any logical reason why Romero's trilogy of dead films, you know, Night, Dawn and Day, for some reason just aren't mentioned as much or they're not i mean they're revered people love these movies but when it comes to talking about zombie movies people just don't instantly jump to those ones no not anymore um they used to probably you know probably 10 years ago um i think they were much more talked about you know among zombie movie fans and horror fans as as really being the sacred uh, trilogy of zombie films but anymore you know what you said before you're exactly right i mean we're just inundated with zombie films uh, really good ones, really bad ones, really 
blah ones in between and it's just so saturated right now um you know while i was doing my zombie podcast and horror podcasting in general here over the years uh, a lot of people especially the younger people i'm talking to i'll be like hey man what's your favorite zombie movie of all time and more often than not i'd be getting answers like Zombieland or Shaun of the Dead, which is a great zombie movie. You know, mm-hmm. they're both they're both good. Um, I have I can go on a tangent about Zombieland, but you know, it, it's you know, and so I'm getting these like and, and 28 days later, you know, people a lot of people are like 28 days later is my favorite zombie movie, mm-hmm. and that just I totally want to start geeking out on them right there about what's a zombie and what isn't a zombie and things. But and but that's sort of where we are right now. You know, ever since we sort of got these fast zombies into the mainstream. Uh, I think it just really shifted everyone's attention up to zombie movies that have happened since, you know, 2004 or 2002, I think was uh, um, 28 days later. Yeah. And I think that's what most people are focusing on because now they're mainstream. Now they're big budget films. And um, so these older ones with the slower zombies, you got the 70s look, you got, the you know, black and white or, you know, with the, with the original trilogy. And uh, I think a lot of the younger horror fans, especially zombie fans out there, they look at it and they're just like, man, why aren't they faster? Why aren't these running? This isn't scary. This is boring. Yeah. And so, you know, I think, uh, you know, they, they've just been sort of, sort of put on the back burner, you know, for the time being. And so it's, uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Johnny, uh, you, I think are a bit younger, not, not, not hellishly younger, but you're a bit younger than myself and, uh, and Mr. Graham. Um, but I know that you hold these three movies in a, uh, the same way we do, and this this kind of uh, they're, they're placed on a pedestal of you know this this was a a different time of cinema, and Romero is like one of, Romero to me is like one of the most punk rock directors ever, in that there was a chance for him to to have more money to do certain projects, and he flipped them the bird said no and did things his way in the very kind of Frank Sinatra sort of style. But um, from your point of view, uh, do you agree with what Corey's saying? I mean, why do you think that when people are chatting zombie movies, um, the the instant instant answer that doesn't come back is, you know, night, dawn and day? Well, I mean, I absolutely agree with Corey, mainly because, I mean, people like us, we grew up with like, you know, these movies were on TV. They were at the VHS store. You you saw these movies nonstop, and these were kind of your go-to zombie films. I mean, you had, like, one-off movies and stuff that were still really good. Mm-hmm. But, like, as far as this series went, the reason it was so uh, detrimental to, I think, just the, the whole zombie, like, subgenre is because it, it shows progression throughout the whole series, whereas... You know, other movies are just, like I said, one-offs and things. And I think this one, I don't know why it's not talked about as much anymore. I, I do know that um, more often than not, I hear people mention, I mean, and I love Return of the Living Dead and, yeah. and a couple of those sequels. But I hear people mention movies like that and things and more of the fun zombie movies, more so than the original Romero trilogy. And and I, I think, honestly, it, I mean, not to get ahead of myself here, but. I think the pacing in all three movies isn't as like ADD for today's you know, yeah. generation. Like <laughs> yeah. I think they need that. They need a zombie to run at you. They need that constant something's happening. They don't want that 
underlying dialogue and like um you know the metaphors and things like that they don't want to think they just want a zombie to attack somebody yeah and so i think that's a huge reason why it's not talked about as much as you know movies like zombie land because even though zombie land and Shaun of the dead are, are awesome and they're both you know very fast paced and stuff i feel like People, I don't know. They they kind of they cling to that. Like, I, in fact, you said twenty eight days later. I hear more people talk about movies like that even nowadays. Yeah. And um, and then you have people that you know. I have friends that won't watch black and white movies, so they'll never experience Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they'll have to watch the nineteen ninety the nineteen ninety version. So, mm-hmm. um, and which is, I mean, I I still think it's a it's a good remake, but honestly. Romero, he had it with these three films. Yeah, I mean, this was this was kind of its own beast, and mm-hmm. I, and I don't have a good answer for why people <laughs> don't talk about it. It's unfortunate, but well, well, I think I think what our job is then for for the next little while on this show, this episode here, um, is to to put forward the case why people, if you have not checked out these movies. Why you should check out these movies. These movies need to be watched, um, I think, for, for any self-respecting, not only zombie fan, but any self-respecting horror fan. Needs to, to, to experience what Romero was putting forward. And with that in mind, guys, let, let's let's talk about this very first one then. So, the year is 1968. Um, a director, a, a relatively unknown director called George A. Romero, um, brings to us a, a movie which is about an hour and a half. It's not a particularly long movie. It's kind of classic horror movie length um, of the time. Uh, this this movie is called Night of the Living Dead. Um, the writers on the project were Johnny Russo and George A. Romero. Uh, the film starred Dwayne Jones, Judith O'Dea, Carol Hardman, Marlon Eastman, Keith Wayne, Judith Riley, and other folks. Um, in this movie, and like like Johnny was saying, this movie is black and white, which is a very bold step in 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 kind of nineteen sixty eight because we're we're right smack bang in the the, the age of Technicolor. Uh, Hammer Horror has given us some of the most visually stunning movies that have ever been made, uh, with vibrant colours and, uh, and whatnot. And, and we get this movie, it, you know, it comes out and it it, it makes a it makes a statement. It makes a, a particular political statement, which, depending on what day you catch Romero, Romero will say this was planned. The end sequence was planned. This was something I wanted to, to put in my, my movie. Then maybe a couple of weeks later, in another interview, he's like, "Well, I wasn't thinking about it at the time. It was purely by accident." Um, I, I think he likes to keep us guessing. But what we'll do uh, <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with this one, uh, with Night of the Living Dead, is I will start with you, Corey. This is a movie that I know that you know inside out. Um, tell us, tell us, tell us why. Night of the Living Dead is so important and not only the horror genre but the, the zombie horror genre. Oh well it it just it pushed the boundaries uh for that point in time, you know. Uh really just combining that uh, the cannibal aspect with it uh was particularly shocking and, and people being eaten and devoured and uh it, it just it this hadn't been out there before, you know. People this, these were taboo things. They didn't make movies about that. Uh, at this point in time. 
Um, and uh, of course, there's the whole Vietnam element, you know, we're, we're just getting out of that era. There are a lot of feelings there, a lot of craziness. And, and so uh, those are some of the metaphors that are going into here and, and why I think they struck a chord with audiences. Um, so, yeah, this was a first um, just uh, shocked people. It actually got a lot of bad reviews. Uh, when it hit the theater, it's it's funny because I go to uh, this Living Dead festival down here in Pittsburgh, and it's run by uh, a lot of the original people who worked in Night of the Living Dead because they're all Pittsburgh people. Mm. And uh, so I get to see a lot of these really cool scrapbooks of all these old newspaper clippings of reviews and interviews and things like that. And so many critics panned this movie. They just said it was schlock. It was just disgusting. It was taboo. They were just doing things for shock value. And uh, But I think audiences spoke. And this just went huge, went absolutely huge. It frightened people. My parents even, you know, my, my parents told me how shocked they were. They were on, like, my mom and dad were on a date with, like, my aunt and uncle back when this was in the drive-in. And they're like, we can't believe we went to see this movie. We had no <laughs> idea. And, like, we were, I was disgusted. You know, I couldn't believe your dad took me to a movie like this. And, you know, it's, it's great. And, and it's, again, I think it's just one of these movies that was so shocking. For people and in, and in more ways than just the gore and the cannibalism because um, you, you had race involved you had uh, uh, women's issues involved which were very heated at that point in time in the 60s you know it's a hotbed especially for the racial thing you know basically having Ben being the hero of the movie um, and then of course at the ending you know, what happens speaks huge huge um, yeah. and uh, that just created a lot of a lot of waves so um this thing it, it just spoke on so many levels and, and it's funny duncan you said you know depending on uh you know what mood you catch romero in, he's gonna say yeah we did we did that on purpose or no we didn't even think you know regardless of whether they did things on purpose or it just happened that way i think this was all just sort of in the in, in the subconscious mind of everyone making this film especially romero mm -hmm. that um you know i think somewhere deep down in if it wasn't in his conscious mind that i want to do this and send this message that it just kind of came out of him that way uh mm -hmm. just because of what he was feeling at that point in time and uh and then of course a lot of it was due to the guerrilla filmmaking that they had to do you know shoestring budget um, even if they wanted to do this thing in color, they couldn't have, they didn't have the budget for it. You know, it was, it, it's all going to have to be black and white. And a lot of people are wearing a lot of different hats and it's really amazing. I've had the honor of speaking with so many of the cast and crew of, uh, this film and the things that they did, uh, was, it was just absolutely amazing how they pulled off things like that. So, um, this had tremendous impact then, and it still rings true now. Um, I think I can still watch this now. And I'm still as frightened and shocked, even though I've seen it a million times. I mean, it's just countless how many times I've seen it. Mm -hmm. But it still has this effect on me. You know, it still affects me like that. I still can feel the same thing that I did. I mean, I think I was like five years old the first time I saw this. Yeah. And it was on a Halloween, you know, and I happened to, you know, catch it up late. And um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, I, I couldn't sleep for a week because every little <laughs> noise that I heard outside I it's a zombie. It was a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I kid you not, at five years old, I had a zombie escape plan for what I was going to do because I was convinced <laughs> that the zombies were going to come in. And my plan was, first of all, I'm going to wake up my brother because I don't want my I, had, I was sharing a room with my brother. Like, first off, I'm waking up my brother because I don't want little Brad to get eaten. And then we're going to go under our beds where I had all these boxes and blankets and everything strategically placed so that we could wedge ourselves back in as close to the wall as possible 
so that the zombies wouldn't get. So, I mean, this is back, I would, this has been like 82 or 83, you know, when I was this age. And I had a little zombie apocalypse plan planned out right there. And it was because of that film. It scared me. It kept me up. I, I remember running into my parents' room saying, I'm so scared of zombies, mom and dad. I, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I'm so scared. You know, it just, it shocked me. And I'm still, I, I can still re-experience those feelings every time I watch this. Um, and it takes a special kind of movie that'll do that to you. So, yeah. yeah. Covered a whole lot there in a, a one fell swoop. And there's so much more to talk about. But that's, uh, I think, an overview of why it's so special. Yeah, yeah. Um, Johnny, I mean... Uh... This movie, this movie is iconic for for all the reasons that caught the Corries stated there. Um, I think this is one of the, the the first movies that gives us what we now readily identify as what a zombie is like. I, I don't think I, I, memory serves. There's not much happening before this movie that gives us the idea of what a zombie one looks like, two how they move. Uh, three how they simmed um, or anything like that I mean watching this movie uh, and like you say there's a lot of people out there that were, are incredibly dismissive straight off the bat you know this is a black and white movie I'm not watching it I don't have time for that um, in some respects I think it makes it more effective I think it makes it even more creepy um, but I mean watching this movie um, what, are, what are the things in this movie that make it so impactious when you're watching it you know what 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 is it in this movie that makes it the the classic movie that we're that we know and love now well several things i mean i mean you you touched on the black and white thing which i think i think a lot of movies in black and white do have a pretty extraordinary impact and this one is definitely really high up there on that list but as far as this movie and why it's so impactful i mean this movie has so much i mean in the in the opening of this movie, you see Johnny get his head bashed in on a gravestone. Mm. You you see, I mean, you see the hysterics of Barbara throughout the whole movie, which Corey was saying about you know women's issues and stuff, and how how they portray her in this movie because she's she's very hysterical, very weak, which was kind of I don't know what they were going for with that because that was kind of the idea of women back then was that they couldn't handle any kind of <laughs> situation that got out of hand. Um, but at the same time, like you have Ben, who is a very strong, very adamant character. He's getting everything done that needs to be done. Um, the movie has nudity in it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you see some zombies walking around that are very uh, unclothed. <laughs> and <laughs> and then and then also, I mean, there's just so much in this movie. Like, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff going on that you just – for me, you weren't really seeing at the time, especially in American horror. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean – just the little girl at the end, you weren't seeing a lot of little kids in horror doing very graphically violent things. And even though this is tame compared to what you would see, you know, 10 years later, mm -hmm. it's still for back then. It's like, Jesus Christ, she's eating, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. person. And, and, and I think, and I think that's why this movie was sticking with people. And like Corey said, with his parents going to see it, that's that back then, I'm sure that was really horrifying <laughs> to see that <laughs> firsthand because I, I honestly, I mean, I've seen a lot of black and white movies and some silent films and stuff, but I don't remember anything before this being as kind of in your face. Mm -hmm. As yeah. much as this one kind of was, especially once you get toward the climax, you know, it shows headshots. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's and, and of course, you know, it's tame compared to even the sequels, but 
for back then. I mean, 68. This is before the, the Manson murders. This is before the end of the hippie movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were still kind of in that peace-love mode. So I think this kind of caught people by surprise. Yeah, I think uh, very much like you say, like people are still very much enjoying the age of Aquarius. Um, and the, the, I think that... What what always struck me about this movie, there's like a couple of things that I'm, I think like we're saying about the black and white. I think the black and white, you know, aids the special effects. I like because you can hide a lot in a movie which is black and white. You know, it, even CGI in black and white doesn't look as noticeably CGI ish. I've just created a a term there. Um, like the mist, yeah, yeah, the mist yeah. I was yeah. just gonna say that, yeah. You watch the mist, the the kind of tentacles which are all CGI. If you watch that in black and white. It doesn't look as gimmicky. It doesn't look as CGI. Um, and I think some of the, mm-hmm. some of the the like you're saying headshots, or, you know, the eating of people. The, even the way they look in that is totally aided, but it makes it creepier watching it in black and white. Um, the the kind of underlying kind of racial message in this movie, which if ever there was a an important time for that to kind of raise its head it's now considering everything that seems to be happening just now especially in america but um you know that that message has never really changed as it kind of goes away for a while but comes back but i love the fact that you know romero is so bold enough to say in 68 my leading man is going to be a black man you know he's going to be the character that we follow in this movie and you know he is our hero but our hero is going to be shot at the end by white men who aren't really bothered about the fact that they've killed a black man. Uh, and it's it's such a powerful statement whether or not he says, yes, I meant to do it, or no, it was by accident. Um, like Corey was saying, that, that that doesn't detract from the fact that it is a pivotal piece of cinema not just horror cinema not just you know black and white cinema <laughs> you know the pivotal piece of cinema it is one of the most iconic scenes i think personally that has ever been committed to film um it's it's so powerful um and it, one of the reasons i love the remake the remake featured in my top 10 uh, best remakes it was at it was at number 10 funnily enough but uh, uh the reason that movie came in with that is because the in that movie they didn't try and remake it as right this is what happens in this scene this is what they changed enough of it and they changed the ending but they changed the ending in such a way that i still thought that is iconic because that is an iconic piece of cinema um the, I, I love the way that you've you've twisted things you've changed it slightly but you've still kept true to our message of sorts i think um there is i mean i can't imagine living in this era where you know we have seen movies like psycho which have been scary you know and the movies like peeping tom have come out which have been scary and the 60s started ramping up the gore and all the rest and then seeing this movie which is just unlike anything of the time it's just completely different it 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 is scary, <laughs> you know, it is scary, um, and it just, I mean, as we'll discuss with the, the later movies, Romero has this incredibly great way of, I, I keep coming back to this punk ethos of being able to put kind of socio-political comments or statements and embed them, not just as a touching glance on his movies, but make them... Uh, 
to an extent the backbone of his movie and this movie has that message running through it yes if you want to watch Night of the Living Dead and you don't give a shit about that you will see zombies and you'll see zombies eat people and you know that's great and it'll be cool if you're looking just below that surface, there's so much more to mine out that movie. And I think that's what makes it, I think that's what's made it stand out through time. Is that academics or fans or cinephiles or horror fanatics can go back and watch that movie and you can pick out bits. Every time you watch that movie, you can say, I wonder if he was going for this in a movie. And if you look at the majority of modern zombie horror movies, um, and I'm not saying all of them, because there are good ones out there, but if you watch the majority of the ones that do come out there, there is none of that at all. It's completely superficial. There's nothing behind it. It's very much like a zombie. There's nothing going on behind the eyes, except this this, this need to... to to show you gore um, with nothing in the background. I, I, yeah, I mean, this movie to me is is fucking wonderful. It really, really is. Um, and, I, I mean, I'm saying it doesn't get credit. Amongst the the podcast elite, um, amongst your, your kind of clued up horror fan, Night of the Living Dead is, you know, a pivotal movie. Yeah, maybe the younger folk don't get it. And I'm kind of, on some level, cool with that. I think they should see it, but um, on some level, like, if you don't see it, then it's your loss, kid, not mine. (laughs) Um, You know what I mean? There's there's one less person I need to worry about fucking quoting (laughs) things wrong and getting details wrong and telling me that, you know, the the best zombie movie ever is fucking... Uh, I don't know, some bad zombie movie. Zombieland. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Zombieland. Yeah, that Woody Harrelson, I'll tell you. Wait, wait, no, no, not that one. What was the movie? I'm thinking World War Z, sorry. Oh, World War Z. World War Z. I mean, there you go. There's, there's, there's someone who's like, you know what we need? We need thousands of zombies crawling over each other, but, but we can't have them as real people because that'll cost a fortune, so CGI that shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, see if they'd done it in black and white, I could have maybe forgiven them, but the fact that they didn't—that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. There's an there's an experiment for us all, and you listening, go and track down a copy of Zombieland and take the color at your telly, and and come back and tell me if you think it, that that some of the CGI sequences in that movie are better. Um, but I mean, Corey. Uh, Night of the Dead. I, I I mean, what to you? Or, and I mean, I think we might all probably end up touching on the same things here, but do you have a couple of favourite moments in that movie where you just think, this is just as good as it gets? Oh, man. Well, you know, you mentioned the scene with the girl uh, killing her mother. You know, especially that trowel scene and the sound effects mm. that they use and the splattering of the blood. Mm. You know, that whole scene, it's implied because you're just seeing the shadow and then you're seeing the blood spurts uh, on the wall. And that, that was, especially when I was little, you know, that one really scared me and that really sticks to me. And, and it's, it's a little kid and you're right, Duncan, you know, when you said, you know, you just didn't have kids doing these kind of things in movies. You didn't have that back then. And even now people sort of hesitate to do that. We, of course we see a lot more of it, but, but it's still sort of a taboo, you know, even now, like 50 some years later. So it's, uh, or no, well, not quite 50 years. Um, so, you know, it was that scene, um, you know, of course, uh, putting the um, there's a zombie that's played actually by John Russo, um, and it's the zombie that comes in through like the back door and uh, bends there with the crowbar, and and uh, so he sort of wrestles with the zombie for a little oh, bit, yeah. and throws him down on the floor, and then he puts the the uh, crowbar through the zombie's skull right there, mm. and you actually see it, and you see him pulling the the 
the crowbar out of its head and sort of, you know, and uh, very, very great effects there. And, um, you know, that's another one that, that shocked me. You know, you, you don't see this. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the scene with, uh, with the gas pump and everything, how shocking that was, you know, to just have two characters that you've grown to care about and are really cool. And all of a sudden, boom, they're dead. Yeah. You know, they, they blow up in this car. And that was just so abrupt. And, and again, one of these shocking moments. Um, but really, there, there are a million. Of, I could probably just keep going and going. And I'd <laughs> probably name every scene in the movie and why it's so memorable, you know. Um, but those are those are three just off the top of my head that I think are really effective. Yeah, Johnny, any any that Corey hasn't touched on, which he probably would have if would would allow them to just monopolize everything. <laughs> any any that any that spring to mind? Well, I mean, I, I love. I mean, for me, the opening is iconic. Just just the whole cemetery scene is outstanding. But one thing with this movie that we talked about a little bit earlier was the downbeat ending. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, for me as a kid, that just never sat well with me, but I didn't understand what they were trying to convey. And so later in life, you know, I started realizing that this movie absolutely needed that downbeat ending because of the direction the series was heading in. It was like that that sense of hopelessness, that sense of in absolute chaos and and just it just for me that that was kind of as a kid i mean understandably i've seen this movie so many times but i never understood what the significance was of killing the main guy (laughs) and um once i got older i was like i started to appreciate that scene more because you 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 grow really sympathetic to this character you really feel for him and when something so suddenly tragic happens you're like well, shit, <laughs> that was just really fucked. Mm-hmm. But then once you take the series into consideration, the, the entire, tr- just the trilogy, when it, where it picks up in the next movie, it makes perfect sense that, that they would have ended Night of the Living Dead this way. And uh, so that scene and the opening scene are, for me, like the two clinchers. It's great book bookends. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, um, I th- I think as well, the... the... The thing about that that ending, which I, I mean, the, the, not not just that the hero dies, it's the reaction of the people that have killed him that always sticks with me. Is the fact that you know, I, you would think at, at at the level of 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 where things have went in that movie that you know humanity would band together even more, but you know, even humanity banding together even more doesn't remove the 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 kind of prejudice that exists among certain certain people uh, if anything it just heightens it um and th- their reaction is always the that was always to me the the, the scarier part than you know than the, than the actual killing itself because you've seen all these zombies do horrible things and you're like these these zombies are terrible look at them they're horrible and then you get that kind of well, well actually man's pretty fucking bad as well if we're if we're thinking about it Man's not exactly exactly a nice entity. Um, look at what they've just done there without remorse, and uh, yeah, it's 
it's it is it's powerful. Um, I lo- I love in general. I love movies that have that kind of fuck you ending. You know that you know, you think everything's going to be all right. <laughs> well, guess what? It's not um, <laughs> because that that to me is. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of my country's cinema, a lot of European cinema, and to an extent now more than ever, a lot of Asian cinema embrace that kind of culture of you know. Well, things aren't always all right at the end of the story. Sometimes, it's realistic. I mean, yeah. Some, some, sometimes things go bad, and um, it's a bold statement for an American director to, to, to you know, to go that step and say, well, you know, things things don't always end well. Look, this is what this is what happens, and um, it's it's incredible. It's one of the things I'll always I'll always say about Romero uh, above a lot of the other kind of so called or or well-deserved masters of horror out there as Romero has always had that kind of that need to stick the knife in that one last time at the end of these movies and it's something I appreciate as a viewer yeah yeah absolutely and I, I mean a great thing you know this is a downer and it, it, it's, it's but the great thing about this ending is there is still a question there yeah. you know did they actually do this on purpose or did they actually think this is a zombie you know yes. and and no one Romero's never said either way. Nobody's ever said either way. And it's a great question. I mean, it's opened it opened up a lot of discussion and yeah. uh, and things. So, you know, it, it's not defined. And so it's a it's a great thing, a great way to end because man, people people come out divided, you know, and, and it's, it's just fantastic. That's a, that's an effective film right there. It's getting people it's pissing people off, you know, and it's getting people to talk. And uh, you know, being divided either way, you know, it's just uh just so great, just so yeah. great. Very well, few, that, very few yeah. movies do that nowadays. Nowadays, it's, yeah, it's, right, right. You were saying, Johnny? It, sorry. Well, I was gonna say it has that that lynch mob mentality that you might get from you know uh, back then the current you know wars and things going on because you have these guys who are you see them earlier in the movie just kind of <laughs> banding together with guns and stuff. They're like, you know, just move and shoot it kind of thing. Yeah, and. To me, it's like that mentality is that at that point they see everything that's not them as the opposition and we need to kill it. So I really like that Corey pointed that out that it's, you know, it could go either way because it's never really been distinguished whether or not they knew. But I like the fact that they, those guys themselves treat it as though it was just another thing, just, you know, just one more down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, Oh, man, this movie, this movie. It, it, it's, it, it's moments like these when you're, you know, when you're doing a podcast where you, you, you just, you can just sit back and just bask in how fucking awesome something is. Um, and, you know, how, how powerful horror cinema can be when in the hands of someone that gives a fuck. Um... So, yeah, so, I mean, we could talk about this probably a whole podcast length, but... This would be depriving. <laughs> this would be depriving the listeners out there the the opportunity to hear us probably gush the similar <laughs> similar sorts of joy and praise over the the next two films. Can um, I say one more thing about yeah. Night before we move on? Because I think Go this is it. really important. And Duncan, you sort of touched on this, but this this redefined the zombie genre mm-hmm. uh, because up until now. It was basically like voodoo zombies, you know, that we saw even up until, you know, in 1965. Like white zombie? Yeah, yeah. We saw um, uh, Plague of the Zombies, you know, the Hammer film. I think that was 65. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was pretty much the pattern, you know, clear back going to, you know, the 30s with White Zombie and, and all the films about zombies up until then. And it was all like a voodoo thing or a curse thing or, or something. And and um, and now George Romero came and he completely redefined this. But the interesting thing is uh, he never used the term zombie in this film. Uh, him, the cast, the crew, they never described this as a zombie film. The term zombie was actually applied to this from the media because the media saw these creatures, which were referred to as like people's, you know, people or, you know, walking corpses or, you know, uh, very vague terms. Um, ghouls actually, is, I think, the, the um, most often term used for them in the film. But uh, they never used zombie. And whenever the media got a hold of this, they saw that, you know, the closest term that they could figure to use to describe them was zombies and that's where it just caught on but uh, never did they say you know romero was not like this is a zombie movie and they yeah. never uh, pushed it that way it was ne that term's never used in the film so it's it's funny it redefined the zombie genre without really wanting to yeah you know it's not, <laughs> without... not, not a conscious decision <laughs> that we're going to make a zombie movie here Right, right. This is just a totally original thing that he's just like, this is a really, really cool concept, really scary. So, uh, and it just sort of went on from there and they just sort of rode that wave, you know? Quick uh, question. Yeah. Have, did they ever use the word zombie in any of the Romero films? Oh, yeah, and, and Dawn, um, whenever they're, uh, and we'll be talking about this, but whenever they're securing the mall, um, Ken Foray says, uh, Oh, we got to, you know, close everything up, block all the doors or else there's going to be a thousand zombies in here. So it's used one time. Oh, I guess it, there. I guess so. I really didn't catch it. So, yeah. All right. So it's not even even by then, even kind of jumping on a decade. I know we're about to talk about this, but even jumping on a decade, um, he's not he's not populating his film fully. Oh, it's a zombie that's out there. You know, it's. It's right. just like a and, and a, a small passing conversation. That's cool, man. That, that's really cool. All the fact as well about this movie is they never really tell you. I mean, there's so many horror movies like with, with a like you were saying, like a voodoo zombie or or, or whatnot. They'll they'll spend the fact to say you know it's a curse inflicted by a a witch or, or you know like they'll go out of that. In this movie, there's a couple of things that could be the cause, but no one at any point says this is why. The, the dead have risen um which I, I think i think i think that's really cool i think that's once again that's effective cinema i think um, the best zombie movies uh, is one of the reasons i was such a fan of the battery um last year is that the best zombie movies are the zombie movies that put you is it, pontypool's another great example they put you yeah. smack bang in the middle of an event and they give you just as much information as someone would realistically have in the middle of that event. No one knows when when some sort of apocalypse or outbreak or anything starts. No one has all the details within the first five minutes. That's not how the world works. Even with internet, even in 2014, that's right. not how the world works. And I love the fact that in this movie, there's bits and bobs that are kind of dribbled out through through you know broadcasts or whatnot that you could take and say, well, you know, it's... It's a satellite. It's a comet. It's it's the it's the, it's the wrath of God um, that you could sit there and actually attribute to these things. But at no point does the movie say, "Oh, by the way, this is why it's happening," because um, it doesn't it doesn't need to do that. And that, in some way, makes it makes it even more kind of powerful for me because that to me is what would happen. Like if when a, when a disaster happens, 
yeah. there's very little information anything comes out and even when it does come out you really have to filter through it to pick out what you believe so that's a great point duncan i mean that that holds true for night and the whole trilogy you know yeah. they never try you know and i think the closest they might try is in day you know when they're doing all the experiments and trying to figure things out but but even then you know it's it's just like it's sort of an afterthought you know it's just sort of like let's deal with what's going on here and and you're right it makes you feel like you're just as clueless as everybody else in the movie yeah. <laughs> about the whole thing and you're just you're trying to answer questions as well so that's uh, that's very effective i agree so great point yeah, definitely. So, guys, I would generally at this point ask for grades. I get a sneaky suspicion that because I use Netflix grades, um, all three of these are going to score fives. Um, unless someone wants to be controversial, um, which no I don't way. think. Yeah, I, don't, I can't say. I won't, what I will I do, these. though. <laughs> yeah, what, what I will do though is I will I will at the end of our reviews I'm gonna I'm gonna pose the question. To put them in order of favourite, because I, I just like doing that. I like I like lists. So when we when we finish our final review, which will be day, um, I, I'm going to pose that question to you. So you can mull that over while we have this very short break. Um, we're going to hear the trailer for our next movie, which came one decade after this. It was 1978, and it was of course the the majestically awesome fucking zombie movie which is Dawn of the Dead uh, we are going to be right back folks right after this not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there then look no further than Evil Episodes podcast where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer oh my god you're hearing just about the big screen listen to the small screen here on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Wow. Jamie, give us some examples. Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this, this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural. Holy moly. That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. And Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff? Well, it's Evil Episodes, of course. That's right. So set your DVR to channel 666 and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be but isn't talked about elsewhere. Evil Episodes is a pod podcasting network. Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room! Not that room! Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn. Of the dead. Meet me on the roof at nine o'clock. Get yeah. out. I don't believe We're it. We're gonna what? get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. 
shooting man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operated dead. Post abandoned. They never get out of line. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. What is it? We've got a war. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon, it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the Dead. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for 1978's Dawn of the Dead. This movie was written and directed by the man, George A. Romero. Um, This film stars uh, David Emge. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm probably wrong because I'm terrible with this. Um... Don't know. Uh, Ken for a Scott H. Uh, Reniger, Gillian Ross, David Crawford, David Early, Richard Franz, Howard Smith, Daniel Dietrich, uh, Fred Baker, and uh, lots of other folk. The synopsis for this movie is following an ever growing epidemic of zombies that have risen from the dead, two Philadelphia SWAT team members, a traffic reporter, and his exclusive TV sorry, and his TV executive. Girlfriend seek refuge in a secluded shopping mall. So, uh, right, we'll flip this round this time. We'll start with uh, Johnny Krug. Johnny Krug, uh, we spoke about the remake of this movie um, just over a month ago, about a month and a half ago, I think it was. Um, we spoke very highly of that remake. We loved it. Um, oh, let's let's now talk about the original. We kind of we kind of. Touched on it briefly, but um, Dawn of the Dead, 78 version, um, similar to what I asked Corey on the previous one, why do you think this movie is an iconic horror movie or zombie horror movie? Um, and, you know, why do you, why do you think that maybe people gravitate, more of the younger crowd gravitate more towards that remake than necessarily going back and checking out the version from 78? Well, I think for this one especially, like, the movie starts off in almost complete chaos, and they eventually make it to the mall, and I think that's one of the the central things in this movie that makes it so special is that it is confined to one place. Well, the first one's like that, too, and so is the the third, 
but this one it's set more in a place that everybody's been to you know everybody's been in the situation yeah and but the thing with this movie i i think where it loses people as far as the remake versus this one is the remake has a plethora of characters this one four <laughs> like you're giving <laughs> basically four characters i mean and and they're all kind of i mean ken Frey's amazing everybody in this is really good but nobody has that like really popping personality like the remake they just had every cliche you could think of yeah so obviously um in, in my opinion i think a lot of kids and, and younger generations are gonna they're gonna they're gonna cling to that more plus this one i mean for for me this was just it was the coolest thing ever because back in the 80s and and like seven i saw this in the 80s but obviously this came out in the seventies. Um, but for me, it was like the shopping mall was kind of in the eighties, the place. Yeah. Like it, it had everything, the, the, the local mall. And so to have them confined to this one place that everybody in the world's probably been to at some point, it, it was more, I don't know how you like, maybe more relatable. Like the first film they're in that, old dilapidated house that you know got torn down after the filming <laughs> whereas in this in this one that they're actually in a pretty nice mall and hmm. and i just i like the isolation i like I like where the characters go and how they all kind of explore and and you, you get kind of the mental breaks in this but it's not as bad as the first one or the third one i think that they're more um they're more of a cohesive group in this for the for you know for the most part until you know, you get a lot of stuff later in the film but honestly I mean this this movie that was the main appeal to me was was it's set in a shopping mall and you know zombies are everywhere yeah the, I, th- uh, I was gonna say what's your take on the because I I really like the soundtrack in the, the the remake I think they have a good mix a, a good tongue in cheek mix of of music. But you know this movie's well. This this one was Goblin, right? Yeah, go, yes, yeah, scored by Goblin. Um, yeah, Claudio Simonetti to me can he can't do he can't do wrong. Yeah. Like, he's amazing. Yeah, but a lot of it was stock too. It's, you know things like uh, a lot of the mall music uh, that you're hearing. You know over the you know the oh, like the music. Uh, yeah, like the gonk. You know, which is to me that is the defining. Uh, musical piece of the of the film is the gong, you know. <laughs> I mean, that just that does it for me because it's it's really ironic, you know, for that. But uh, not to uh, you know downplay uh, what Goblin did because it's amazing, absolutely amazing. I love Goblin and uh, very cool. But they didn't write all the music, is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I saw um when I saw a uh, goblin well I saw Simonetti's goblin play this year earlier on this year actually and um the, the middle half of their set was just particular tracks from um D- Dawn of the Dead and um hearing them as just standalone tracks uh, 
I was like, yeah, this is cool, you know, yeah, this is, listen, I'm going, yeah, it's just, I, I don't know why I'm just not getting the, the energy that, you know, because they're obviously on stage, they're in the groove, the songs sound really cool, and then I watched the film, like, a couple of weeks later, uh, as I do regularly put this movie on, watched it a couple of weeks later, and I was like, no, no, the, the, the visuals have to be there uh, for for this track to work, the, the, the kind of manic tension, or the, those build-ups, so you know, that, need, that needs to be accompanied by what's happening on the screen to get the full energy from it. I, I think it's I think it's, it's one of these great fortunate scenarios that, you know, uh, Romero became so friendly with Argento and thus was able to share in the the the, the beauty that is Goblin. Um, Corey, I, this movie, um, similar to what I asked Johnny before, um, this movie... Uh, is is widely regarded as whether you agree or not, and we'll, we'll come to that later on. This is widely regarded as uh, Romero's best film, his most accomplished movie, um, and you know it's also regarded in certain circles as the definitive zombie movie. This is the this is the pinnacle. This is the premiere. This is the creme a la creme of zombie cinema right now. Dawn of the Dead. Um, why do you think? people hold this film at the top of the ladder? Uh, well, uh, I'd happen to be one of those people. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I go as far to say this is my favorite film of all time. Oh, it is. Right. Um, this is number one on my list. Um, you know, part of it, um, for me, it's very personal. It was a very personal movie for me. I grew up, I went to the Monroeville Mall as a kid during this era. I remember all the fountains, all the stores, the hockey rink, you know, the ice rink and everything. Mm -hmm. Like I was there, you know, with my mom and my dad, we'd go there shopping and, and stuff. And, uh, then when I actually saw the film, total mind fuck, you know, like, totally yeah. like, Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> like this was a happy place for me, you know? And, but, you know, like, uh, you know, Johnny sort of, you know, touched upon this where, you know, this is, this is a shopping mall, you know, this is, this is a really cool place where, where this was happening in the eighties. And, you know, just think about it whenever you were a kid and going through a shopping mall. And as for me, anyhow, it's just like, man, what if I actually lived here? What if this was actually my house and I just had carte blanche and I could just do whatever I want. I could just get whatever I want out of here. That would just be the coolest thing. You know, that's the kind of thing that would go through my mind as a kid. And then I watch this movie and these people have that. They can take whatever they want in this mall, you know, uh, and it's just sort of like a paradise for them. And uh, so I think a, a lot of that appeal is there, you know, just being in this mall where you have so much available to you and you can just have it all. And there are a lot of scenes of this sort of indulgence uh, in that. So I think a lot of the magic is that, you know, on top of the, you know, the personal thing to me where I, I was actually there and I, I still go there <laughs> frequently. The Monroeville <laughs> mall is still there. It's very different now. And unfortunately, you know, I, I wish there were, there were some some sort of recognition for its uh, place in history, but uh, there's nothing Isn't really there. Really? No, nah, there's nothing. You would think there would be a plaque somewhere or some sort of little memorial thing or something, but yeah. there's really not. There's there's nothing. A lot of it's been changed. There's maybe one or two of the fountains that are maybe the same, but you know, all the stores are different. And everything. It's uh, it's crazy. It's sort of sad, but. Um, no, no more hockey rink. It's a food court now, of course. You know? So, um, but 
This, um, again, this brought, um, I think, another level of violence and gore. Uh, to me, when I first saw this, uh, the first thing that hit me, the, the first thing where I'm just like, this is a movie that is a level above what I've ever seen before is uh, when they're in the apartment building and they're raiding the apartment building and people are just just going in and out and ringing shots back and forth. And the zombie comes out. Uh, one of the first zombies you see, which is uh, the guy, Leo, Leo, you know, the, the yeah. girl is just like, and he, she goes and hugs him. And he's obviously a zombie. And he just sort of slowly turns his head, looks at her right in the eye, and then takes a big chunk right out of her shoulder I had never seen a zombie scene where actually a biting, you see somebody biting somebody else and tearing out a chunk of flesh. Yeah. That shocked me. I'd never seen that before on film. I'm like, Oh my God, this is intense. I mean, this is, who makes these kind of films? This is, this is crazy. I haven't seen this before ever. And it was just a crazy, crazy ride uh, the whole way through. Um, it was, uh, you know, especially the violence for me in this uh I, the other scene you know there are two scenes of just intense i i, I can feel the pain you know i can mm -hmm. feel myself just like oh my god that was the first one the second one occurs much later in the film whenever you know poor roger they have to <laughs> ride him around the mall <laughs> in a wheelbarrow and <laughs> so there he is and they stop to sort of try to hotwire this little car with the hatchback and uh, so he's sitting there and he's just trying to you know blast some zombies away and that zombie the the woman zombie sort of comes out of the the plants and she puts her thumbs digs her thumbs right into his leg where his mm. wound was where he got bitten before and she's and it sort of pops like a like a ripe melon you know <laughs> and like blood sort of comes up like oh my god you know you can feel it you can feel it and so this to me was such a oh man i i could just feel the pain of what was going on here because it was so graphic so graphic um so just uh an amazing amazing film very dark very long much longer than the night was this goes over two hours and yeah. uh, depending on what cut you watch there are lots of different cuts and uh it's just it is so dark um even in the parts of um like i said indulgence or the parts where you know things are a little bit up it's still dark you know there's still still some just that little bit of the darkness under the you know, sort of under the surface that, that you're dealing with. Um, so it's just, uh, just amazing on all fronts because just when you think they're in paradise, then all of a sudden they're not. And yeah. we come back to the, you know, the theme where, you know, who's worse, the zombies or the living, you know, mm. you're questioning that. And, uh, so just a great, a great ending, not the intended, not the original ending, uh, that, uh, Romero wanted to do, but, uh, Still, I think an effective ending, nonetheless. Uh, one that uh, poses a lot of questions, and so just overall, I mean, there's so much to talk about. I mean, even uh, arguably more so than Night. Yeah. So many more things going on here. I could go on forever, so please stop <laughs> me whenever I'm, you know. Because, well, like I said, this is my favorite movie of all time, so I'm going to be really passionate about this. Yeah, I think I think the, the bit, like we were saying that, and well, I was saying that um, in the previous one that um, the gore effects in black and white, especially, um, are, are terrifying. Like just 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 what they do in that movie, and it's it's a lot of it's masked 
under the fact that it is black and white. Um, this movie is in colour. The gore effects in this movie are fucking phenomenal. They are so ahead of its time. It is unbelievable. I don't think there is any movie um, around the, 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 the 78 mark that is doing gore the way that Dawn of the Dead does. And it has that completely rich red, that kind of almost hammer-esque, over-the-top theatrical red blood thing going on. Some of the shots in this are beautiful. Some of the gore sequences, the way they're shot, the angles, the colour palette in the background, the way they're set up, the way they're framed, um, are just visually fucking stunning. Just, like, incredible, incredible shots. Um... I think, uh, what you say as well, there's, I mean, fundamentally there there is a statement once again, this is, and this one, I, I, I mean, Romero's a bit more forthcoming with this one, this was very much intended, um, was it was a look, you know, a, a kind of, almost a, a wagging finger, uh, American culture, how he saw it then, and the, the kind of, the rise of consumerism, which in 78, you know, was still before things really got bad in the 80s, you know, the, the, the level right. of, consumerism he's he's almost kind of foreseeing this happening uh, and kind of kind of you know waving a finger in judgment but i mean uh, not not in a, a kind of condescending judgment but you know just kind of looking at you know when this happens people will flock like sheep to the places that they're most familiar with and malls will become those places and that's true i mean uh, is there is there a mall in any town anywhere which is just not where people hang out isn't that just essentially what they are there are places to hang out and buy things if you want but mostly they're there to hang out i mean even even uh, i mean malls are a, a, a more maybe not as common i don't think there were any malls in the uk and in, in 78 at all or, or even even early 80s that sort of shit didn't exist that's a kind of late 80s early 90s thing over here but that's that's what they are over here it's just p- for places for people to congregate and uh but there, there's something really cool about that message um and, and like i say I, I love the fact that romero is like i'm going to make a movie it's going to be about zombies um whether or not he directly says that the words in the film, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the movie has to be dumb, um, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that's what film's there for, especially horror film. Horror film, there you can make the dumbest movie you want, and people will watch it. But at the same time, if you want to put a bit in, you know, social commentary, you want to put a message in it. It's one of the best mediums to do it. It's one of the best genres to do it. Um, it's one of the most exciting things for me to you can almost chart what was happening in certain decades and certain years by the horror movies that come out um, which is fascinating and I think this movie kind of captures a lot of that and and you know I, I think um, the, the, the thing that stands out to me ultimately is that Romero had done a couple of movies not loads but he'd done a couple of movies in between you know, the making of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, but the 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 kind of the presence of him as a director, it's completely fucking different. I mean, this guy has has crafted, you know, all pretty much a perfect movie. Pretty much a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Everything about this screams to me, you know, director firing all cylinders in his prime. This guy is not just a sure pair of hands. This guy is is 
you know, a director with a message. Um, he's not like a, an empty vessel just kind of interpreting someone else's script or whatever on the screen. This guy, this guy is uh, is is putting forward a case, um, and I I love it for that, Johnny. I mean, it, any any particular sequences in this movie, uh, like we were doing earlier on, you thinking maybe a couple of sequences in here because there's fucking loads, um, but a couple of sequences which are like you know your your favourites from this movie. <laughs> the one scene that I, I it always stuck with me from when I was really young was the scene with the guy in the uh what the hell is that called? Like the blood pressure machine? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> like that Yeah, that scene always stuck with me because I use those. I, I honestly go and use those at the store and every time I do it I'm like Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> like I just think of somebody <laughs> ripping my shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, honestly, I mean, this movie, the end, just like the last film, the beginning of this, I mean, when shit starts <clears throat> really going down after the news broadcast, to me, that that is very memorable because this movie starts and you're already at 10. <laughs> like they're already in the shit. Yeah. And and I, and I like that. I think that's a great way to, to start a continuation of what was going on in the first film. But um, honestly, I mean... I would say probably that entrance and then just the, the biker siege on the mall. Yeah. yeah. That whole biker siege was just ridiculous. Oh, awesome. man, yeah, that's fucking so cool. So cool. Oh, I love that. But um, the gore, the gore in this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, like, because obviously by then he was, he was very... He was very friendly with Argento. Um, obviously, we talked about the Goblin connection. I don't know how much of that Argento kind of kind of be befriending him actually rubbed off on Romero because the he, Reds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very. It, mm-hmm. I, I, you would be forgiven for thinking uh, in certain sequences that you know, you know, Argento told him how to do that. You know, Argento told him that the blood has to be this colour. It was almost as if he was in the back mixing up the blood. You know, no more red, more red. You know, because that's that's how it feels. That that's how it feels when you watch it. It feels that I think one of the, the kind of strong points about this one is it doesn't necessarily feel like an American film. It on some level does feel like a European film, and um, you, you, those elements to me that 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 visually striking red color that comes out, which is, I mean, totally not believable. Blood is not that color, but um. There's something even the the amount of it, the sheer amount of core in this movie, um, it's it, it's for lack of a better word, and to make myself sound like a, a four year old girl, it's icky. Uh, <laughs> it's truly, it's like oh look at oh well, for no. me for me I never even batted an eye at the bright red blood until people started talking about it. I'm like yeah. oh that 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 blood, and I'm like oh yeah yeah I guess it is. <laughs> and, and for me, it just worked. It was just like, oh, oh, that's so terrible. It, it's almost like it's blood amplified. It's blood like times 10, you know, yeah. it, it's that much gorier and ickier. And it is sort of a, you know, a 60s and 70s thing. You know, you think about Hammer films. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, you know, every Hammer film in color, <laughs> you know, had, had this kind of blood in it. And uh, that's sort of where it was. And it's almost like that makes the blood scarier somehow. Yeah. And I don't know. I, n- I never even thought of it. At all, it never even bothered me, and then I started talking about it, and everyone's like, "That's so bright!" I'm like, 
yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I know, I've cut myself plenty of times, and it never looked like that. Yeah, <laughs> or I didn't cut. No, I don't cut myself. But I'm, I'm, you know, I've been. I came out totally Where's wrong. Where's the cutter? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm totally depressed. Yeah, yeah. But no, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's the it's the pains of shaving. I know what you mean. I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Corey, same same question at you. And I, I know that you'd like say favorite film of all time. Um, couple of scenes you want to share with us that are are uh, probably the most memorable that you you know these are these are what this film is. Uh, uh, like I said at the beginning of the film, you know, the apartment scene, I, I think I called him Leo at the beginning. It's actually Theo, I meant to say, um, you know, girl screaming as the zombie comes out. Uh, just that whole that whole sequence is so intense. Uh, and Johnny, I'm so glad you brought up like the from the very first frame of the film on that whole sequence at the very beginning um, has some great quotes by uh, the actor David Crawford, who plays Dr. Um, I can't remember what the, what the character's name, but uh, played by David Crawford. He's the bearded scientist kind of guy who's doing this, uh, this TV show. And he does, he uh, says my favorite line from this whole movie. And it's one that uh, actually the, the band White Zombie has sampled in, in some of their songs and everything. But, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, uh, every dead body that is not exterminated gets up and kills. And the people it kills get up and kill. <laughs> that is just, he does that so well. That's my favorite line from this whole Get up and kill. Like, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so intense. Now I want to listen to Los Exorcisto. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Planet pretty kill. Get up and kill, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it's so good. Uh, Biker scene at the end, uh, like you guys said, it's fantastic. Yeah. the first time you see Flyboy Zombie, I oh, love it. He's one yeah. of my favorite zombies of all time, and uh, he just he performs the zombie so well. You know, just uh, his whole limp, the way he, his jaw is weird, the little revolver is spinning on his finger as he's just trying to trying to move around. Um, and that is. Would you total... say that he's like? Sorry to cut you off, but you say that uh-huh. Flyboy Zombie is like one of the more iconic, like, just Julie, like, for me, when I see zombie articles and stuff, he's always in the pictures. Like, would you consider him one of the, like, the most iconic? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's like him and Bub from the next movie, you know, that are, I think are the two iconic zombies that uh, you could pretty much put them up anywhere and uh, they'd be totally effective. But uh, and a lot of that had to do with his makeup, too. You know, he had the gashes were really cool, and the blood on him was really cool, and, and everything. It was just, uh, you know... But it was mostly him. It was mostly that actor, um, because of the way that I know that George coached zombies. Um, because, to me, like, Romero uh, makes the best zombies uh, of all time. I mean, he has a way of coaching these zombies and... and just what, whatever the zombies in Romero's films just trump all zombies for some reason, and no matter who's doing the makeup, whatever, it, it's just they're so good. And his coaching style, though, I remember he, I was watching. I don't know if this was this was part of the uh, the documentary with Day of the Dead um, or whatever, but somebody was like, George, what do you do? I mean, how do you how do you coach these zombies? How do you coach these actors who are playing these zombies? What do you tell them to do? How do you tell them to act? And he's just like. I don't know. I just do it very, I'm just like, Hey, picture yourself. You're dead. You're having a hard time moving. Just do what you think you got to do. 
and he leaves it so much in the hands of the actors. He, he sort of gives them a framework yeah. and allows them to sort of explore this and develop them, develop it themselves. And, um, man, I'll tell you what, uh, the actor's name is at a, uh, I'm at a loss. I met him actually at cinema wasteland. I met Flyboy. Um, Oh man, David is MG. Is that David MG? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome guy, actually. Really, really cool guy. Um, but uh, I got to give the credit to him, you know, taking uh, what Romero gave him, which I think was very minimalistic, and just really rocking it, man. <laughs> and just, just uh, doing a great job selling this. One of my favorite zombies of all time. Maybe. I don't know. It's between him and I think between him and Bob, and we'll talk about Bob a lot here in the next review. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's uh, that's tough, man. It's you know, um, but man, he just rocks it. He, he has the look, he has the move, just everything. It's unbelievable. But yeah, J- Johnny, I think I think he's uh, the iconic zombie. I mean, what other what other zombie could you just paste anywhere? As well, like, to me, generic- like, to me. The, the three that I always get are always – it's him, Bub, and the zombie from The Grave and Zombie 2, the one yep. that's on the cover. And those are – for me, those I, are the three quintessential zombies. The fourth I could think of, which is actually sort of a little bit removed from this, would be Tarman. You know, you can pretty much put Tarman. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> I, I think so. I think yeah, Tar- I think so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're right. Right. That's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, man, man. Yeah. This, uh, I think the Flyboy just rocks it. I think another shocking moment in this film too, is seeing Roger sort of reanimate, you know, mm. and they draw that scene out so long, so long, you know, just mm-hmm. Peter sitting there with his gun and he's tired and exhausted, you know, and Fran, she's out, out in the other room watching TV or, or, or listening to, or listening to the radio, whatever she's doing. And it's sort of a very quiet sequence. And then, uh, you know, obviously Roger's dead. They have the blanket over his head and then the blanket starts to move so slowly. And it's just, that's the beauty of this movie. And I think why, you know, a lot of people who are used to 28 Days Later and Zombieland and, and everything, you just don't get it. But I just love those moments. Yeah. These moments where these long drawn out scenes where, you know, it just slowly rises, rises, rises. You don't see his face for a while. You just see the blanket. And then the blanket comes down over him, and he's just grotesque. And he's yeah. this guy that you love. It, you know, this guy, you've you've grown to identify with him, to know him, to love him. He's gone a little bit crazy, and you feel really bad for him, you know, because it's just, it's a really good guy, and it's it just, this is affecting him so wrong. And then he's just turned into this thing. And uh, uh, I think it's more effective. I think, what do you guys think? It, it, would you have... Is it more effective that they you heard the gunshot and you saw Franny's reaction to the gunshot rather than, you know, a lot of people nowadays, I think they'd actually show him being shot in the head. Yeah, yeah I think know, that's... I, oh, yeah. yeah. That's just modern. I think modern horror, horror now is... Is it's so um, and once again, I'm, it's a sweeping generalisation um, and... You know, I don't mean it to be a sweeping generalisation, but nowadays, if there's going to be something that you can't show off screen, people want to see it on screen. And to me, I've always been a firm advocate of what's shown off screen is 
is the terrifying part because your mind fills in the blanks of what has happened by the expressions of her face and the way her face that is that is what's terrifying because whatever whatever Romero puts on the screen is not as disturbing, upsetting, you know, twisted, horrific or anything. It's what you're thinking at that moment. Because your mind is, you know, that that's the power of that. It's the, it's the same reason, like, the, the you know, the, the shower scene in Psycho is, it looks in such a way that you, you convinced that the knife is, is penetrating the skin and it's, she's been mm-hmm. cut up. And she isn't. You don't see that. But your brain fills it in. Um, and that's the way I like my horror movies. I, I, yeah, there is a time and place for full-on gore and he uses it all the way throughout this movie. But every now and again, the power of suggestion, leave it up to yourself. I think that's cool as fuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, also on the same token is, is like you said, it's drawn out. And I think it's, it's kind of a lost art building that kind of tension and suspense, especially in characters you like. Because nowadays, like seriously, it's just it's you're, you're spoon fed like the quick solution. <laughs> there's yeah. no there's no tension, no build up. And, it, and I totally agree. I think that transformation is detrimental to why this movie is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, I think what we're saying universally then is that, you know, this is one of his most accomplished films. This is the, the gores are right. The sim tracks awesome. The, I mean, the, the fact that like Johnny had pointed out specifically that this one isn't as over embellished with characters as the remake is. This kind of you are contained with these ultimately four characters that are like our main driving force. And um, I mean, Corey, this like I say, your favorite film of all time. Is there anything else you want to say about this movie which you think listeners should either one know about it or two things that you you kind of just want to remind them before we uh, before we take a short break and come back with D. Uh, I just have to mention that a lot of people complain that these are blue zombies, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so many people that hate this movie, they're just like, blue zombies will look dumb, and first of all, that was not intentional, uh, the makeup was intended to be grey, yeah, uh, which I can dig, but it was just because of lighting conditions and, uh, you know, colour correction in the film process, whatever, they sort of turned out blue. Again, it's another thing, just like the blood, that never bothered me until people started bringing it up and i'm like oh yeah well i guess they are sort of blue is that realistic i don't know you know i don't know what somebody did for for a few hours and got up walking around is going to look like what's their skinny but i I don't know um and so it's sort of another thing that i I, you know sure i just sort of accepted and i think that's a lot of it i mean they did this film so well that there are things like blue face zombies uh bright red blood uh things like that you know long drawn out scene it doesn't bother me because i'm just so taken in by the characters yeah and what's happening around them that really it, it doesn't matter i mean it, it's just such a great experience and uh from beginning to end i again i can watch this over and over and over again two and a half hours worth it goes by like it's nothing. You know, even even the part in the middle, a lot of people, again, something else they complain, they're like, well, it sort of drags. There's that whole time in the middle where it sort of drags and they're not doing anything. They're just sort of going around the mall. Again, it, it, it never bothered me until people started talking about it. You know, it, it's it, so, I don't know. It's, it's a great experience. I mean, something that 
is a uh, it's sort of a lost art. Yeah. Uh, nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to the so. point of the blue zombies, I mean, it's like, okay, Robert of England and Nightmare on Elm Street, and then fucking Cropsy and the burning. People always say, well, it doesn't look like real burn victims. And I'm like, are you really going into it worried about that? Like, <laughs> yeah. the zombies are a little blue. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, well, well like, you have to imagine you're in a, in, a, in a reality where people can come back from the dead. So I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. If so, you're yeah, accepting that, that yeah. yeah. If you're if you're accepting that, maybe maybe the color isn't isn't the biggest. You know, maybe, maybe that's not, not something you should be focusing on. Exactly, yeah. it, it, it's the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like you, and that's what he does so well. He can... If you're able, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. No, I was I was gonna say though, if you're willing to accept one thing, then the color shouldn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There are bigger things to be concerned about than sort of what color their skin is and what the blood looks like. I mean, is the dead coming back to life? I think, I, sakes, you I know, think it gives it an even... I think that, that, once again, the fact that we have that kind of over-animated red of the blood, I think the fact that the, the zombies look the, the way the zombies look with that kind of color as well. Um, so, I mean... I think that on some level is also, you know, it kind of works with it as well. I think it's, we're, we're in a, a scenario where the blood is a rich, bright red. Why can't zombies be blue? I mean, who said zombies can't be blue? I mean, it would, has anyone met a zombie? Has anyone actually seen a real zombie? I, just, I know what you mean. It's like sometimes people will pick on the shittiest reasons to bash into a film. And you're like, right, right. So the colours will be... You know, so if this movie was in black and white, you wouldn't have any problem with anything else. You would love this movie. Is that, is that what you're saying? If these zombies were grey, you would... You would you know, it's just... It's a fucking... Ah, people. People and opinions. <laughs> Uh, Johnny, same 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 question to you. Anything before we move on, which um, you know, any any parts of this movie we've not kind of touched yet, or anything about this movie in general which you want to bring to the listeners' attention or remind them if it's been a while since they've not seen it. Not really. My my main thing is just like the first film, the movie has kind of that bleak ending where they're you know they're they're escaping, they're getting away. But there's still really no resolution, and and I do appreciate this series for that, like the fact that they can go on and say, okay, well, there really was no – I mean, they made it out of their, their particular situation, mm. but there's still some shit going on. And uh, that to me is like the main thing that, to kind of take from these films is that it's an ongoing epidemic, and most movies don't tackle things in that – kind of way like most of them like they try to resolve everything and and i appreciate that romero doesn't yeah i think do do you think though in in zombie movies though do you think that that is the it's almost the best sort of subgenre of horror to give the the kind of bleak no win ending or the you know the the scenario where you know it you may have won this small victory, but you don't win the war, sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's if ever there was, because essentially, if all the dead are coming back to life, um, you're hopelessly outnumbered. And even if you kill them, 
then you're going to even you know even if your friend dies he's coming back and th- I mean to me that always se- seemed like the best subgenre to have those endings where you know even even if your heroes escape where they are they're still fucked you know as you know well, as, I don't know I I, I appreciate that uh, especially in this uh, subgenre but also in like exploitation movies because a lot of movies a lot of like rape revenge and a lot of just really hardcore exploitation movies are kind of the same way where um at the end the person does triumph but there's still that sense of loss and dread that they didn't do the right thing but they you know what i mean like it's still kind of like that lingering feeling of there's something missing and and i feel like maybe those two genres capture it the best Mm -hmm. just because obviously like they, they got out of the zombie situation but there's still more to come and and you look at movies like um fucking miss 45 and i spit on your grave and stuff like that and, yeah sure. and uh, obviously after <laughs> the events that unfold through those movies they may have won the small victory <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 there's some shit they're gonna have to overcome yeah they're, they're basically they're basically funding a psychiatrist child through college um, <laughs> and, the, and, the amount, and the amount of visits after that movie i mean uh yeah i, I think um I think that's what I mean, Corey. I mean, what's your take on on that? Where you know, is it is it you know, are zombie movies the best movies to 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 kind of put forward that premise that there is never really a happy ending to a, a zombie movie? Do you think that's why Romero doesn't try to give you that? He just kind of does what feels natural in that sort of scenario. I think so because I mean, no matter where you go, no matter how well stocked you are or what you have, I mean. They're still going to come after you. They're still going to be there. They may be slow, and there may be one or two or three or four. But then there's going to be 10, 20, 100, 1,000 of them coming after you, and you're just going to last so long. And like you said, Duncan and John, you know, you, you may have won this battle, but you're not going to lose the war. It's, it's, it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. And uh, after every move, you know, with, with Dawn and again with Day, and I think Day has a much happier ending, but still the same sort of thing. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, hey, you, you know, you may have won the battle, but you're not going to win the war. You know, yeah. same kind of thing. Uh, so, uh, and zombie movies, I, I do think, do that the best. Um, and exploitation, you know, like you said, Johnny, it, it has sort of that element that I don't think it's as apocalyptic and as just no, like no, no. universal. It's more personal. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. But this is just worldwide, like, everyone's fucked here, you know, yeah. and no matter what, we're just going to live so long and, and we're done. So, uh, yeah, I think the zombie subgenre just really captures that the best. And Romero is the king of this. And there have been some that, that do it well, but uh, nobody, nobody has done it as well as Romero during the, these three movies. So... Uh, yeah, just great ending, and they're fulfilling. You know, it's not like an ending where you're like pissed. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm totally satisfied with the ending because again, I want to talk with just like at the end of night, like I want to talk with people about this. Like, where do you think they went? What do you think happened? I don't know. I never got a sequel to the, you know, a direct sequel to see what happens. So what do you? Where do you think? They, you know, did they run out of gas? Did they crash? I mean, it's just fun to talk about what really realistically could have happened here and uh just uh man fantastic fantastic because uh, you know uh 
as in night with you know the black and white you know they hid a lot of the horror of it uh behind uh you know a lot of the black and white things and in the shadows and, mm. uh, but so much of the horror that you experience in horror films not just in in these movies or in zombie films or in horror films in general you know it, so much of the horror that you experience is in your head just what you're thinking is happening and yeah. not what you're seeing and that is so much of the enjoyment of dawn especially at the end because uh you, you just can't help but think about what happened to you know franny and and peter as they flew off in the helicopter and went into wherever <laughs> you know and uh so that's, that's uh, just part of the brilliance about these, these movies like and like to me that yeah exactly like the fact that it doesn't pick up with the same exact people in the next film and and you're kind of left because Ken Frey does say that he's like you know fucking wherever she's like where do we go where he's like wherever you know and Straight up. To, yep. to me that's that's the thing is like these people everybody in these films are on a different plane of existence mm-hmm. but they're all, they're all fighting the same cause <laughs> like and 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 that's I can't wait till we get to the next film because they're all facing such different opposition. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah, and and I just to me that's that's you can't do that with a series of films and be as successful as Romero did. Agreed. Agreed. Or, I, I totally, or, totally or, agree with that. Because most sequels, I mean, for the the common population. Of people who watch movies, they have to be direct continuations, and these films aren't. They're just they're they're isolated scenarios that just happen to take place in that environment. And that's and it's crazy me, that's, because oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I just I love that. I mean, well, it's an anomaly in that they forward that universe. It's like they they pick up with that universe mm-hmm. that George created. But you're jumping forward, like, you know, a decade, if not more, in time, each time. Mm-hmm. And it, it still totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, oh, and, and, and you feel like you're just picking up with that same story and you're just sort of updating things and you can totally flow it. I mean, it's 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 totally disjointed, but but flowing at the same time. You know, it's hard, hard to explain, but you, you don't see any of the same characters any storylines and sort of rules even change certain rules change, you know, as far as what zombies sort of can do, you know, in night of living dead, I, I think, uh, you know, especially with the graveyard zombie, um, he's running sort of a little bit. He's, he's at a jog through the Is cemetery. That Bill, Hinman? Bill Heinzman. Yeah. Heinzman, yeah. Great, great guy. Um, but he's doing a little shuffle. I mean, he's sort of, sort of at a little gallop there, you know, and he's, he's, he's aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the zombies are using tools. You know, they're using little, you know, the the leg off of the, the table to sort of bash uh, the door. They're throwing rocks. The one zombie throws a rock through the through the window. You know, that takes a certain. And then we don't see that level. It's almost like the zombies sort of. I don't know. They sort of change. But I don't care. I really don't care. You know, I, I sort of nerd out about those kind of things uh, with modern zombie movies, how they're inconsistent, but. Um, you know, I sort of look past those things. Um, and so you brought it, you brought it up and it really, it, it's, it's a good point is you said there's a decade between almost every film. And for me, the thing that's cool about that is we're talking about consistency and 
the fact that these movies you don't like you can totally pick up on the next film and not be lost whereas you see film series these days or even in the 80s and 70s where they're filmed back to back every year the same series is putting out a new film and the consistency is garbage (laughs) and it's it's same characters i mean absolutely just it's like unimaginative and for me this this series even though they're like not continuing the exact same people and stuff like for me it's like that that environment that world that he created it it still it, it lingers as something that you completely are on board with right and 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 i don't know that's, it's kind of a weird thing i was thinking of because i mean I do think of movies that are just – you see these series that are filmed back-to-back, and you see that a lot of times that the films don't mesh. They, they don't have that that um, that lateral kind of storyline, whereas these, 10 years apart, each one almost, still continues to have the same exact story or, or the same environment. Mm-hmm. I mean what – I don't like that. What other horror or even, you know, movies at all have been able to do that, you know, yeah. have been, you know, managed no. to continue <laughs> a, a, you know, a subgenre or, you know, some sort of uh, coherence, um, but introduce completely different characters and themes uh, throughout the whole thing. I mean, this is it's a weird anomaly. I mean, this is nobody's done this or been able to do this before or since. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. I think once again, that's it's it, that kind of so weird kind of testament to the the ability of Romero, um, as not only uh, uh, very clearly a gifted gifted uh, movie writer, screenwriter, but um, as a director as well to be able to gulf the 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 time periods in between movies, but still make them. I mean, a lot. That I've always said. There's a reason. I think when I was doing my remake show as well, of the ten top horror remakes, three of those remakes were remakes of Romero movies. And what I'd said was, I think on some level, it's easy to remake a Romero movie because he is the he lynchpins his movies to like a particular message which is either still going on now i mean the 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 ideas of kind of mass consumerism and things are still relevant right now i mean did anyone check any video footage of black friday you know i mean like Uh. these 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 things of mass consumerism (laughs) are still you know very very relative relative now the any the kind of race issues from the, from night and even moving on to the underlying messages which which you know which dominate the the scripts of of um of day as well these things are easily transferable amongst decades um the fact that he he seems them into the stories he does is just as a testament like i say to to how gifted he is um i think and a lot of a lot of times once again people like are very very quick to dismiss zombie movies because we've had so many of them which don't have a message and don't have a heart and you know are completely superficial people will will kind of blase wash over someone who whose staple was making zombie movies maybe as a result of that retrospectively doesn't get the credit it deserves when these movies were coming out though 
I mean, horror fans were loving them, and I think that's. I think that's. Hopefully, if we're doing anything right on this episode, people should be. If you haven't checked out any of these movies, I don't know why you're listening to my show. Um, <laughs> really, it's almost like a prerequisite you, that I'm assuming you have. That this show's just to to guide you back to watching them again, and or hopefully, maybe make you appreciate them in a slightly different light. Um, so, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. We're going to gear ourselves up and, I, I mean, uh, without giving away too much spoilers here, Corey said, you know, this is this is his favourite film of all time. We're going to jump on to actually what is my favourite of the 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 Dead trilogy. My favourite is Day of the Dead, so I'm really looking Mine forward. Too. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to kicking off with this one. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so we're going to take a short break, guys. <laughs> you're going to hear the trailer for that movie when we come back. It's Day of the Dead, right after this. And now a quick word from our sponsor, having trouble with a dragon, don't know how to get rid of it, then call up St. George Dragon Slayers, that's right, you can get a special deal right now, if you have problems with one dragon, two dragons or three dragons, St. George is a man to call, because he will do all three for the price of one, this is a limited offer, it'll expire very soon, so check them out, visit their website at stgeorgedragonslayer.com. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. First came the night, then came the dawn. Now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. We've been punished by the creator. We visited a curse. the few remaining their only hope of survival is to find a cure you're wasting time trying to define what's happening but the odds are against them we're in the minority now something like 400,000 to one by my calculations and so is captain rhodes anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on their one chance is bub it's working on instinct Deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. I promised some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work... They're learning. They're actually learning. Their world fell apart. Very nice, you know. That wasn't very nice at all. You can just sit there in the dark. Think about what you've done. Think about it. Think. The dead shall have their day. Day of the dead. Extraordinary, isn't it? And we're back. So you've just heard the trailer for 1985's Day of the Dead. Um, this movie was once again written and directed by George A. Romero. The film stars Laurie Caradile. I think that's a, my pronunciation of names. Well. Yeah. That we'll go with that. That sounds more professional. <laughs> thank, thank you, Corey. Uh, <laughs> t- t- Terry Alexander. Um, oh my God. Uh, Joseph Pilato. 
That's... Pilato, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe well, Pilato, yeah. Yeah, we'll stick with that. Uh, yep, yeah, that's, that's out. Re-education. I should have just read this, apparently. <laughs> Richard Liberty, Sherman Howard, uh, Ralph Mareo, whatever. Right, anyway, they're fucking this movie. Right, it came out in 1985. Um, the synopsis is a small group of military officers and scientists dwell in an underground bunker as the world above is overrun by zombies. So, uh, Corey. Yes, sir. Um, th- this would have been the bit where I was going to say, Danny, you can talk us through this this movie in the same way we've done before. But um, as those that may have gathered, Danny is still not with us. It's unlikely at this stage he's going to be able to join us, which means I now have to set up another podcast which has Corey, Johnny and Danny on it because I feel that I, I still haven't got the the, the, the the full dream team I want. So what, we're, what we've been doing in the interim while well, Danny's not been here is making up for that by giving you the fucking best reviews of these movies you've ever fucking heard in a podcast. And we're not going to stop. So, Corey, Day of the Dead, it's not your favourite out of the three. We've established that. However, mm. you were saying just before we went into the break there, this one, in terms of what's going on, is probably the most complicated out of the three. I don't think there's any any question about that one. Why, right, firstly, why do you think Dawn maybe just pips this one um, in your rankings? And two, tell us a little about why you love Day of the Dead. Wow. Uh, Dawn, I, I don't... Th- I don't know. It may just be, you know, so many movies that you see and uh, why they affect you is when you saw them, what age you were, mm-hmm. where you were when you saw them. You know, I, I was really uh, young when I saw Dawn. It affected me because I was at the Monroeville Mall. You know, I talked about this all before. And so it's it sort of that's what got to me. You know, that 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 first gore scene where the zombie was biting the chunk of flesh out of her shoulder that affected me. So I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. But Dave is an amazing amazing zombie film uh uh, on a technical level this was tom savini at his finest this is tom savini's best uh film uh, as far as effects go um and we didn't talk about him during dawn because he he was responsible for the effects crew during dawn of the dead which he pulled off a lot of miracles Mm -hmm. (laughs) during dawn of the dead with head explosions and and machetes to the head and (laughs) And all kinds of things, <laughs> and, you know. Even the arm, you know, uh, Johnny, you know, the 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 uh, uh, you know the blood pressure machine, mm-hmm. uh, just you know, he he did that so well too. So, uh, you know, Tom Savini really met his pinnacle in day, um, just with brilliant, brilliant things. But uh, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to judge. I sort of have to yeah. put Don above day just because I don't know. Maybe that's. It's a personal thing for me. But Day, oh my God, a, a visual treat, something that is is absolutely amazing. I mean, we've seen things uh, in this movie that uh, really we've never seen before. And, and the you know, several things come to mind. And, and I know, Duncan, you're going to ask this question, and I have to bring up <laughs> scenes that uh, really stick out to me. Yes, yes. Um, <sighs> arm amputation. Oh, Yes. And, you know, the whole cauterization, you know, afterwards. I mean, uh, I think The Walking Dead has tried to do this, you know, in the, in the TV show and it has done this well. But this is the first and the best that 
they've ever done it. And I, I've seen, you know, with the document of the dead, which is of course the documentary that comes alongside the DVD and Blu-ray mm-hmm. um, with, uh, with a day, uh, they really explain this and they, they take into account all the effects and the, the marvelousness that uh, they did to do this. But man, when they sever his arm and his fingers are still twitching yeah, as they bring down, and then she has to, she has to like grind through bone and muscle and everything just to just oh my god and then they bring the torch to that stump and caught her i mean literally and then not to mention dr frankenstein's lab yeah how amazing is everything that goes on in there you know the zombie <laughs> that turns over and all of his guts spill out oh, on the floor yeah. oh. the zombie that has his whole face and and head removed except for his brain and a lot of electrical things hooked up to it mm. and just so many things going going on in that lab oh my god oh my god this is it's a masterpiece of you know sort of monster creation makeup and effects just you know tom savini was having a field day yeah. during this thing he really was i mean he i can just picture george just saying hey man do whatever you want do whatever you want let's just have fun and that's what it was um, but, uh, you know, great acting, uh, across the board. I mean, every, uh, Joe Pilato as Captain Rhodes. I mean, he's up there with like the governor in the walking dead yeah. as like the Amazing. guy that you love to hate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, uh, and Joe Pilato, actually he was in Dawn of the Dead. He had like a small bit role in Dawn of the Dead. And I don't know if you guys know that. I did not know that. No, I did not. Oh Yeah. Uh, right before they left the TV station going to the helicopter uh-huh. and uh, they encountered those guys. And he's like, Hey guys, you have any cigarettes? You have any cigarettes? Like that weird security guy with yeah. the crossed eyes. Um, there was a whole cutout section in one of the cuts. And Joe Pilato was actually one of the security guards who was up alongside of him. And uh, I forget what his lines were, but Joe Pilato was one of those security guys. Fuck, I but, did um, not know that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. Um, but uh, you know, of course, Joe Pilato. I think in this trilogy, Joe Pilato is the uh, most hated yeah. guy <laughs> by far. <laughs> you know, you hate the biker guys in in uh, Dawn, and you hate the redneck guys in Night. Hmm. But you really, really hate Captain Rhodes and. You know, his, this his is sort of like all of them into one person, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, you hate sort of, you know, the whole, you know, personnel he has around him because, you know, they're a bunch of assholes, too. You know, a bunch of redneck sort of sort of dickheads and they're, you know, sort of military guys and sort of going along with him. But, you know, it's sort of all summed up into Captain Rhodes. And <laughs> I, I'd venture to say he's the most hated guy in this whole trilogy. Or in any of, you know, considering Romero's zombie films after this, which suck ass for yeah. the most part, <laughs> com- compared compared to these. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he's he's yes. like the mega villain in this trilogy, and uh, I think brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> do, 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 do you think at any point that um, Romero is maybe making a statement because he is like, well, one, he's military, but two, on some level, he is. He's like the, pers- the personification of almost government. 
yeah. I think oh, I, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's what plays. I, I think that's what plays really well. The fact that he does give him that kind of, you know, abuse of authority, abuse of power, um, sort of stature in that movie. The guy's a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? From the from the, the the first time we meet him, you know, you know right away. As soon as he opens his mouth. I don't like you, I am not going to like you, and I hope something horrible happens to you somewhere during this movie because you're a bad, evil little man. It's like you say as well, I think, and that to me has always been one of the, the, the big standout things for me, is just how amazing the special effects are, and it's like, I know a lot of people, and, and rightly so, will credit some of the, will credit like a, a movie like The Thing as having the best practical effects of her and I, I would I, I, I personally I'm one of the people that f- stick true to that belief that the thing has the best practical effects ever I would very 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 quickly say that I think Day of the Dead is not far off it I think like you were saying those sequences in the in the, the kind of crazy doctor's like lab um, w- with all the, the zombies that he's experimented on and you, you have that, that particular one who's who's just his intestinal track and his kidneys and all that kind of just... And it's the way they spill it when it moves. It, to me, once again, it looks... That's how I imagine that looking. You know, if, yeah. if I if my, if my stomach was open, that's how they would fall out. And it's just so squishy and fucking horrible. And that, that there, there is very few things creepier than than the idea of dying coming back you know in a, a kind of being reanimated but without with without you know the, the ability to to feel or control yourself and then be experimented on to the state where everything is taken off your face apart from your brain and then you're still moving that, that creeps me out it's like and when you see that for the first time it is so fucking horrific you know that you just have this brain attached to a spinal column but the rest of the rest of the body's fine i love the fact as well that you know he's feeding them the dead soldiers he's like yeah, i'll just feed them this soldier here this guy's dead you know we'll just feed them anyway um I, and he doesn't see because he on some level he's a scientist he's doing scientific work he doesn't see why one that's in bad taste um and two why he shouldn't be doing that uh, which I also find, I find really really cool as well. I just I, I think this one to me has a lot more characters compared to the previous movies in terms of how much time we're spending with them. But all these characters feel like characters. They feel three dimensional. They don't feel you know, there isn't. Well, you are token scientist guy, and you are token security guard guy, or you know military guy, and you are token you know. Although there are a few stereotypes that are pretty funny in this movie, and a couple of the accents are terrible, <laughs> like really, really, really bad. Like Mister, I'm fairly sure you're supposed to be Jamaican, but I'm not convinced by that accent. Uh, you know, the... I'm going to be meeting Terry Alexander at Cinema Wasteland in April, and I will confirm this. <laughs> yeah, because I've been arguing this for years. That's a great point, man, and uh, I'm going to be bringing this up. Yeah, uh, I've argued that many times before. I'm like, this guy is not Jamaican. This is totally like, I don't buy this. But (laughs) here, five months from now, once I meet this guy, I'm going to give her my report, man. Because, uh, I I need to hear uh, that report. I look forward to, to to getting you back on in five months' time for you to confirm 
whether or not he is actually because they're not. But he's not the only character. I, I love the fact that the, at this stage they have, you know, this is like a like an outpost of, of sorts, and they have all these different people with different backgrounds and different specialisms all trying to work together. And there's instant distrust. The military don't trust the scientists. The scientists don't trust the military. Um, you have these people that aren't scientists or military who really don't trust anyone. Uh, but kind of gravitate really more to Sarah more than anyone else because Sarah's kind of the weird glue that's kind of keeping everything together. You know, she's the, the connect on some level between the, the military who are incredibly abusive and dismissive of her, but at the same time will not really act against her. Um, and then you have, like, the scientists that listen to what she says, and then you have, like, the, the pilot, etc., who, once again, will follow her commands. So I, I, I quite like the fact that she's... And once again, we're given... This is, like, our lead, our lead character really who is in this film she's a woman so we've we've we're kind of you know we've we've done like a, a black man well you know we've done through we went through and the dawn once again kind of focus on more male kind of lead roles and i love the fact that he just kind of says no it's going to be a woman in this movie it's the 80s that's kind of what's happening in the 80s uh, so she's going to be our main character i love that as well um i think the story's really cool as well and once again i think like we were saying about don not having the ending that romero wanted and this movie is not the movie that romero wrote originally the the, the movie he wrote originally he was told was too expensive to make they wouldn't give him the money to make a zombie oh, yeah. movie that cost. And on some level, like from from what I gather from that script, I I mean I I love it. But you know I I think it would be amazing. I would love to see what that movie likes, but not at the cost of not having this movie. Um, I know a lot of people are like I would really like to see that movie. I would yeah if that movie that that version of Day of the Dead could exist, but I could still keep this version of Day of the Dead. I'm down with that. But if I had to sacrifice. This version of Day of the Dead for an unknown? Uh, no, I'm not going to do that because this movie. Great to me, point. Yeah, this movie. Great to, point, man. It's, it's, because it's, it's, I, quality overall would have suffered. I yeah. think you know they would have stretched things that much further. I think on some level he yeah. needs to. I think Romero on some level needs to work with a a, a more confined budget because I think that's exactly. when he's at his most creative and most inventive. I think that's where he brings it out Johnny. I mean, you've said days your favorite out of the trilogy. Um, join in our conversation. Lavish this film with love. Uh, what what is it, man, that stands out in, in Day of the Dead? What, what what is it that makes you love this movie? Mainly, I mean, this is, it sounds really bad to say it, but this to me is the film in the series that has, it goes against my beliefs, but like the biggest budget, like it it seems like this movie was very well put together and like it had direct goals and everything it was doing was kind of set up beforehand and like you said, Romero wanted more money, but I don't know what he would have done with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but to me, this movie was yeah, it was it was absolutely it, it like visually stunning, and plus the animosity between there are so many characters that are like good and absolutely evil. Yeah. And when you get them together, like that mixed with what's going on, you know with the storyline to me it just 
this movie just I don't know why it clicks so well with me. Maybe because it's confined to like a, a military place. I don't know why that would I don't know why that would resonate <laughs> with me better. But um I appreciate that though. I mean, I, this movie just it's it's more visceral to me. Like <laughs> it's I don't know how to even explain it. It just it's more it's more aggressive in the point that it's trying to make. Yeah, I think um, mm-hmm. as as a, I mean, we were obviously talking about Savini and you know the the gore, etc. You know the the actual level of practical effects are fucking insane in this movie. Um, they're amazing. Yeah, I I mean, I, and that's what we were saying, and that's not to be dismissive of the the of Don because Don's there as well. I just think on some level that I think the fact that they get to play with the fact that science is now involved. Which to me is logical. That's With the doctor. The, yeah, that's a logical next step. You know what I mean? If if these zombies have been around for a while now, science scientists would be trying to find like a, and or a cure. I love the fact that they openly acknowledge that there is there's there's no way they can cure this. That our main our main doctor, crazy man, um, is basically saying you know you cannot cure this. This will you know Sarah has all these ideological ideals of how she sees the world being with a cure and all the rest he's not like that at all he's more pragmatic and he basically says you know that's not how it's going to work they're here we can't get rid of them and we can't kill them all because we just can't do that there's there's no way that's going to happen as well we need to find a way to basically to make them docile to make them controllable Um, I, I, I love that I love that idea of it, it kind of reminds me, me and Corey did a, a show last year and we talked about Fido. Yes. Which, oh, a fi- yeah. yeah, Fido is, to me, Fido to me is a, is a guy is making a zombie movie uh, who grew up watching Romero movies. That, mm-hmm. you know, because that one is one of these yeah. ones that does have a point. It does have an underlying message that even, even down to the fact that the zombies are blue in colour in that movie. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff and the gore's very rich and vibrant reds and all the rest. But, um, the, that movie almost is what would have happened if, you know, I I imagine that this doctor had succeeded with finding a way to completely domesticate zombies because that's what that's what this guy wants to do. Um, he just has very crazy ways of going about it. Um, is there is there a particular is there a particular aspect about the movie, Corey, that you know you when when you watch it you just think they're ju- they just nail it spot on you know that this this is you know this is as good as it's going to get in terms of these sort of things wow it's got to be uh you know when the zombies finally infiltrate you know this this whole establishment that they Mm. have and they just sort of (laughs) start ripping apart all the you know all the soldiers you know when when the one soldier get his (laughs) fingers i think the ones that you know uh really sticks out so when that one guy gets his finger bitten off and you see it right there. I mean, it, it's torn, yeah, right out of the socket, and it's brilliant, brilliant. Um, and uh, he he gets uh, the one zombie sticks his finger right in his eye socket and sort of rips off the top half of his head, you know, and rips out his eye mm. and everything. I mean, the, these effects are brilliant. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, it goes without saying when Joe Pilato, Captain Rhodes, gets ripped in half, <laughs> and he's just screaming, Joe Connor, Joe Connor. 
<laughs> I mean, that is brilliant. And if you read the whole behind the scenes on that very scene and how that came together and how disgusting that actually was with, he used, uh, I believe, pig intestines. Oh, um, which, nice. Which spoiled overnight uh-huh. because the refrigeration yeah. failed. Ooh. And uh, so it was very ripe when they went to actually shoot these scenes. And uh, those are those are terrible. I've done that. Uh, <laughs> it's terrible. Oh my god, my god! I mean, uh, it, it's some brilliant filmmaking, and, and again, kudos to the actors and uh, everything that uh, went into making that. But wow, wow! This isn't just some CD gut, uh, CG guts and blood and everything going into this. This is man living this and <laughs> basically puking. Right after, you know, Romero yells cut. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. So, um, man, man, it's just, it's just that. Zombies and then put the thing around their neck and then try to lure them in so they can, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that was, that was kind of cool. I'm like, oh, well, well, okay, that's all right. And then it goes wrong. And everything, and they have to shoot the one guy because he gets bit because the whole thing gets. Hurt. I mean, that's that's just really cool seeing the, this whole sort of system that they worked out of capturing these zombies. And where again, this is a question I've had since the first time I watched Day of the Dead. But there's this whole weird mine or you know underground facility. Yeah, they're in right, and these zombies weird. sort of wander down this cave, <laughs> and they capture the zombies coming down this cave where is this cave coming from? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this sort of open to the outside somewhere? And zombies sort of wonder it. Is this cave sort of, do they drop down a hole and sort of, go, I mean, where, <laughs> why are they wandering down this cave into this little wooden trap that they have for them? I mean, what is, am I missing something here? <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's a good question well, as well. well. They'd have no reason to go down there. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly. Yeah, maybe I'm reading into it way too much. They'd be like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, (laughs) I don't know. To me, this movie, like, oh, the the main thing with this movie is, and I may be totally off with this, but to me, and, and I like it for this reason, but it was one of the more, like, mean spirited movies. Like, I felt like the villains were super evil in this and i feel like like they really do kind of make you feel for the zombies and for the survivors more than more so than the actual nultons yeah and and with me that's like that to me is it's very successful because the fact that you can make a zombie seem less evil than the actual you know, military sergeant mm-hmm. <laughs> is just, it, it's, is completely asinine, but I, I enjoy that. That's the thing I think that drew me to this movie is that there is evil, but there's also an entirely separate level of just absurd evil in this movie. Yeah. Like, cause I mean the, the fucking, the guard that looks like John Goodman, the one that shoots yeah. himself. <laughs> Like Gary Clark. So Gary many... Clark is awesome. Yeah. 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 There's so many people in this movie though that are bad, 
bad people. Like, they really, I mean, they're more villains than any zombie could ever be. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and that, to me, is like, that's the important thing about this, is that, like, when you watch it, it's like, you're so conflicted. And, 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 and even though it's mean-spirited in parts, the, the confliction helps with you enjoying it. Because I feel like... If it was just mean spirited and it was like just hey we're we're fucking doing this to you and the zombies are, are gonna do whatever they want, that would be one thing. But this movie is like there's like four separate agendas, <laughs> and they're all right. kind of carried out. I I mean it's it's weird to explain, but like to me it just I don't know it just it, it makes sense like that. I don't know that you would you at the end of this movie you would fear the establishment or, mm-hmm. or the uh, the evil corporals and stuff more so than you would the zombies. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the, that's the thing. Our first introduction to the the military in this movie is is Captain Rhodes. You know what <laughs> I mean, and that that pretty much sets up. The, the the tone like our our first full I mean we we meet the we meet the two guys um, in the in the tunnels who are you know are, are going to be driving out uh, to 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 the, the the kind of pen area and whatnot and you know they they're dicks to begin with but our 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 first full contact with the military in this movie is is Captain Rhodes and you know he he threatens to kill Sarah and you know he's just he's just a complete dick but. We we gentlemen have scuttered around uh, this movie and not tackled one issue, and I can't close up this until we talk about this one issue. <laughs> and this is not a bad uh, issue. This is an awesome issue. Let's talk about Bob. Yes. Oh shit, Bob. Uh. Who's the centerpiece of this movie? He's fucking Honestly. so awesome. He's so so awesome. I want one. Can I have one? Can we buy uh. one? We, we can split between us. He can stay with me a week, and then he can fly out to Texas to go in, with Johnny, and then he can fly out to... Is, is Indiana you're in? Or, uh, Ohio? Pennsylvania. Corey? Where are you? Where <laughs> oh, are you, my God. Where are you being? Is Pennsylvania? Erie, yeah. Erie, yeah, yeah. Erie, yeah. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> he's, he's going out to you okay, for a week, so... and then he'll come back to me. Because I want a bub. He's, he's fucking... He's awesome. The actor plays him great. There's that kind of clueless sort of kind of puppy face that he's got and the when he, the fact he can hear music and it's the 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 way his eyes light uh, it's acted so well bub um, is the best thing and the worst thing that has happened to this trilogy <laughs> explain worse explain Corey. Uh, um, okay bub he was a great he, he was a great plot point in this as far as the evolution of zombies you know with dr frankenstein trying to you know make these zombies docile to make them learn certain things and bub was great at that you know it was so cool you know watching him trying to shave and read salem's lot you know wear the headphones and everything it was great you know it totally made sense uh and that was that was a total believable evolution because it was like these zombies are so dumb, and yeah, they may be able to recognize some things. It's like it's like almost when you're really, really drunk, like really drunk, and you're almost to that point of blacking out, and you sort of you sort of recognize your friend, 
and you sort of know that yeah I'm, okay that's sort of my car or something you know it's sort of like that's right where you are but you're really dumb like you can't really do <laughs> shit at that point you know what i mean yeah and so that that's that's like where bub was i mean it's sort of this this thing but really realistically it's not going to go much beyond this i mean it, uh, okay that's where you are but and why say bub was pretty much the worst thing to happen to romero zombie film and maybe zombie films in general was because he tried to progress beyond that yeah given us like big daddy zombie yeah you know in his next film where they were learning to the point of you know i, I think where zombies are going to be able to learn and do things you know and uh that's beyond i think the scope of what we're you know talking about tonight with with our films but but uh i think uh romero carried this way too far beyond this film and <laughs> way too many filmmakers did so as well mm. to where i'm sort of pissed about it and yeah. uh you know it, it just i think romero with day of the dead he brought it to a very comfortable very believable sort of uh area yeah, yeah. it was interesting and i could believe and explore but then he took it a step beyond that where I, i'm just like no i can't I, I i don't get it i don't enjoy it in this universe you've sort of taken this outside of the universe yeah you've created i see i see what you're saying it's, it's almost it's almost as if for example had this just been had this been the extent of of how the there's the quote-unquote zombie progression of you know consciousness or whatever had been in films if it had only ever went this far never any further uh, you would be happy with that however the fact that people felt that that wasn't far enough and continued Romero himself uh, continue pushing the potentialness of zombies into into less believable areas and I know we're talking about zombies here folk but um, into less believable areas that's I can see what you're saying. That almost uh, is almost a, a victim of its own success as a character point. Then, right, right, yeah. yeah I could, I could see that. I could see. Uh, J- Johnny, Johnny, Bob, fa- yeah. fa- favorite, 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 <laughs> favorite scene involving Bob and Day of the Dead. <laughs> well, obviously, like <laughs> my favorite scene is where he shoots down the guy at the end of the film. Yes. <laughs> Before he gets disemboweled. That's what does he just, say? He I says don't something. remember. I should know. It's I watched it two days ago. absolutely amazing, though. <laughs> like, the fact that you had this zombie fucking gunning down this high-ranking military guy, and then him getting disemboweled is... It's it, it so... It's amazing. Yeah. I was ecstatic. Every time I see it, I'm like, I in, the actor in interviews, he's so cool. I'm like, I feel bad, but I love seeing you ripped apart. <laughs> <laughs> like when you, when you get your guts ripped out, I'm like, totally cool with it. <laughs> get, Corey, do you have a, a, a favorite Bob scene? And uh, is it the same one? Oh man. Uh, I, Wow, I, I love the scene whenever, uh, you know, he's uh, reading Salem's Lot again and he's listening to the to the headphones and everything and he's sort of discovering this. You know, he's sort of like 
he's got this wide eyed look of like almost a baby, mm. you know, discovering things. <laughs> and then the soldiers come in, you know, with, with Captain Rhodes and his whole regiment and everything. And uh, I just love the whole thing where he's cocking the gun right at Captain Rhodes. Yeah. You know, and he holds it, holds it up and he cocks the trigger and everything. And that's just another scene that's really drawn out. Yeah. And really has a lot of tension. I it's love scary it. too because so, like Captain yes. Rose has that whole like he has that monologue about like being superior exactly and and to me it's like it's terrifying because you're you're trying to show some sort of like um human element to something that's not human <laughs> anymore yeah. And then um, Bub's reaction to seeing Dr. Frankenstein's corpse. Yeah. You know, whenever he wanders in and he sort of sees it and he, he sort of has all those chains on his hands and everything. And he's visibly emotional mm-hmm. at seeing Dr. Frankenstein's corpse. I mean, that's, that's uh, really crazy, but believable at the same time. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think a zombie would do that. And then, of course, the same reaction when he salutes Captain Rhodes. I love that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Fucking <laughs> At the fun. end, he gives that salute. Um, just, wow. I mean, like I said before, with Don, you know, I love Flyboy, and I love Flyboy's image and everything, but now just going back and talking about, <laughs> you know, Bub and all the awesomeness that he did. Yeah. I mean, Bub, Bub's got to be my favorite zombie of all time. Yeah, he's made as well, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, the yeah, best. Just, <laughs> Oh my god, so believable, and I mean, he just he he's right at that line. I mean, you go beyond Bub, like I said before, you go sort of beyond this as far as intelligence, ability. You start getting iffy, yeah, you know, and really weird, and that's that's where a lot of zombie it's, films, yeah, it's go a fa- it's a it's a fine you line, know? it's a fine line yeah. balance, and uh, you, if you go too much either way. Um, it's enough to tip it over. I, 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 I would, I would agree with that, Corey, completely. So, I mean, bringing this to its natural conclusion, um, we, we have, we have trolled through the trilogy of of the dead, <laughs> um, the trilogy of the dead. Yes, and uh, we, we've discussed the finer points. We've discussed the awesomeness of Romero, um, and crafting. Three movies, pretty much separated by a decade, each each having their own individual identities, each being kind of spiritually linked to each other, but at the same time, kind of capturing the specific mood that was that was kind of flying around in each generation. Um, and I kind of know where the answers to these are going, but I'm <laughs> going to go around us anyway. Uh, I'll start um, if I'm putting them in order. Mings are in reverse order um, in terms of my favourite. My favourite is day, then it's dawn, then it's night. Johnny, what's what, what's your your ranking of these movies, sir? I would go day, night, dawn. Day, night, dawn. Oh, right. See, I yes. didn't think hmm. that you've you've already curveballed me, hey. sir. Well, and I'm not. Hey, listen, that's that's not like disparaging at all. Like, I yeah. love all three. Mm-hmm. Cool, uh, Mister Mister Graham, bring uh, it home, sir. Ah, uh, like you guys said, this is not not totally like you know hating on any one film. Yeah, yeah. they're all so awesome. 
I got to go in reverse. Uh, no, no, not reverse. I mean, sort of weird. Uh, you know, it's dawn, day, night for me. Yes. Uh, because that's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it, it's so personal because I'm a, per, a Pittsburgh guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know these locations. I've been to all these locations. Everywhere you saw in, in uh, dawn and night, I've been to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've seen them. And uh, I, I haven't seen the silo in day yet, although that's apparently in some Nike sort of, uh, what is the Nike silo, whatever, just outside of Pittsburgh. I haven't been there, but I hate being underground and shit. So whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been to Monroeville, the Monroeville mall and, you know, all the area around that. I've been to the cemetery and where the house used to be in night. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I, I've, I've grown up around there. I just know, I know these places. So with that in mind, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to uh, jump out just now, I, which means I must thank both my guests. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Danny Traxon couldn't make it with us. Like I say, I will create another scenario somewhere down the line where <laughs> uh, all four of us can, can, can podcast together. Cause I think that's a, that's an a, a, an accident, which is going to be a joyous one. Um, but, but let me first thank uh, Mr. Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation for coming on to chat about these three awesome movies. Thank you very much, sir. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh, thank you. And shit, like, like Corey and I have talked so much over the years, but never done a podcast together. So I feel like this is kind of a feat. Yeah, um, d- yeah, it's, it's really cool because that's the first thing I said to Corey when we were chatting off air was, I was like, ah, you, you, you chatted with Johnny before and he's like, ah, eh, yeah, online. I don't think I've ever podcasted with him. And I was like, oh yeah. my God, oh shit. <laughs> well, thank you very much for giving up some time to, to, to come on. Mr. Corey Graham, sir, from Evil Episodes, Devil Horns. Um, Damn. Yeah, thank you very much <laughs> for coming on and chatting. Zombie Movies, The Dead Trilogy. And uh, and hanging out with myself and Johnny, this has been awesome. Thank you very much. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you, Duncan. It, it's been awesome. You know, anytime we can talk, you know, it, it's it's very much an honor for me. And uh, Johnny, this is something that's been years in the brewing for us. You know, just uh, uh, I love what you do, man, and I'm so happy we could finally get together and hang out and talk about my favorite films of all time and. Just, uh, I'm happy to say that uh, you love as well. This has been Absolutely. fantastic, fantastic, and uh, you guys, you're, you're just pumping me up so much. I can't get my head through the door to get upstairs now, so I can go to bed. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. I mean, shit. I just love zombie movies and things, and I just, you know, talk about what I talk about. So it's so, all so, good. But so, what you're, are you saying to me, Connor, right now that if I propose that the next time we're all together, we do the 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 next set of dead films you'd still be pumped for that i would be totally pumped for that <laughs> I, I, think have we need opinions, to make man. I have opinions i think we need to and make i'm not gonna up. say you know which way they swing but you know i have opinions <laughs> well i think i think uh we'll put out to the listeners if the listeners want it then i will make sure that we zombies all get... do not ride horses that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> hey, hey cory and i <laughs> we're down <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh, so. I've seen survival and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't yep. really get into it. Wow, I've, I've, I've watched survival is like <laughs> God. Oh my God, 
Oh. I've not revisited them since they all came out, so uh, that could be a lot of fun. So, uh, right, guys, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to jump out just now. When I return, I'm going to be closing out the show, but thanks again to my guests. Make sure you check out their shows, um, and I will be right back after this. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. Warning, the Midnight Horror Show is not safe for work and is definitely not for the faint of heart. The following is a small sample of what you'll hear live every Wednesday night at 7 at allradiox.com. I ain't heard from you shitheads for fucking years. Now, Webula, we do this thing that's called a live radio show on the internet. And so there's people that interact with us. Yeah, they're listening and responding to us right now in real time. Who, who, who's talking shit? <laughs> fuck, Somebody's talking shit? Someone named Fuckface. And so then, fuck you, Fuckface. <laughs> oh, oh, you think we'll go off on tangents? <laughs> on the Midnight Horror <laughs> Have show? you ever listened to this show before, Mark? <laughs> he was masturbating into the, the corpse of a fucking beheaded fish. Fucking uh, nasty motherfucker. <laughs> We're going to end the show on corpse fucking this time, apparently. Anytime you talk about necophilia, you're talking... It's going to take a certain kind of person to watch it. Yes, it's a charmed life. Fuck you. <laughs> you can hear the Midnight Horror Show live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday night at allradiox.com or download the show on iTunes, Podomatic, or at the allradiox.com page. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And welcome back. So you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 41. Um, I hope you enjoyed that discussion of the original Romero Dead trilogy. Uh, if you haven't checked out any of those movies, or maybe checked out a couple but are missing one to complete the set, now is the time to go and check them out. I hope that um, you enjoyed the conversations between myself, Mr. Corey Graham and Johnny Krug. Uh, I have reached out the, the communications um, and we are all ready to go next year if you want us to do uh, the the lesser um, dead trilogy <laughs> if you want to subject us to pain and we'll see if Danny Trioxin can make it to that show just so we can share the misery along um, next week I will be covering uh, what the, the overlords want and they have suggested that I, I bring them some blood some gore and some over the top nonsensical fun so I'll be doing two bloody Giallo movies. Um, I have already selected my guest for that episode. It will be none other than Jeffrey X. Martin from the Six and a Half Feet Under podcast and the podcast that I love so much, the Devil Only podcast, Kiss the Goat. We will be talking about two Giallo movies. Um, but not maybe the ones that you would expect me to be chatting about. One is by Dario Argento, but the other one's not Italian. You'll need to wait till next week to find out what those movies are. So just remember, you can still enter the competition to win the Arrow Blu-ray. To do it, all you need to do is drop me a line, either private message on Facebook or email podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com with a suggestion of a film that we should have covered in the first year of Baz v Horror. Give me reasons why we should have covered it and I will present them to Baz. Baz will pick a winner and it will be announced on next week's show. So good luck. Please remember that all Arrow video Blu-rays at the moment are region B so can only be played in Europe and Australia. So if you're in America, if you don't have a multi-region player, it's up to you. you. You know, I'll still post out to America but... 
it'll just gather dust if you don't have the player to play it. Um, so, uh, we are going to close out the show. I want to thank you all very much for checking out the podcast Under the Stairs during this transition period. Um, hopefully, God willing, I'll be home uh, in the next couple of months. Um, hopefully, it won't last much longer than that. But you can join the Facebook page to keep up to date with what's happening go across to Facebook, type in the top search bar podcast under the stairs, come across to the closed group and I will accept you over there um, and you can get involved with some of the mental conversations that happen over there. Uh, big thanks to a lot of the, the throng of new listeners that have come across and joined the page. It's been great to speak to you all. Um, in fact, one of our listeners... Dave Bates joined the Facebook page just like you can and uh, left us a comment to say that he has went through the entire podcast under the stairs back catalogue in a mere three months uh, you sir are a trooper thank you very much and he even said that whilst he doesn't always necessarily agree with the reviews he has a blast listening to the show which is like I've said before the ultimate mission the the manifesto uh, to use a commie word um, behind uh, this show is to make sure that everyone's entertained so thank you very much for coming over to the page sir and thank you very much for getting involved in the conversation you can also leave us some feedback on iTunes it's all very much appreciated the higher the reviews you leave over there the more chance we are that other people will stumble across the show or you could just recommend us to a friend I love it when people just randomly come across and say you know I've been told to check out your show by a friend and I'm really digging it um, not many people tell me they hate it which is a good thing I don't think my fragile little psyche could handle that I'm only joking um, and of course you can leave us some feedback uh, feedback by uh, email at podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com so until I speak to you the next time please take care of yourselves out there this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting from the void I'll speak to you all next time